Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Narrative Dissonance on Unsafe Space. I'm Carter Lair, and today is Monday, May 9th, 2022. Narrative Dissonance is a show that we do here on Unsafe Space, all about questioning the mainstream narrative. You should be watching us at unsafespace.com if you can, because that's the best place, but we're also on YouTube, Odyssey, Rumble, Utreon, maybe somewhere I'm forgetting, DLive. Um, this show has been live at 11 a.m. Pacific every week. But next week, we are changing. And from every week thereafter, we're changing to 2 p.m. Pacific. I hope that doesn't screw too many people over. But I think it will be better. Hopefully, we'll be able to get some guests who have day jobs on the East Coast. And um, it should make it easier. So next week, when you show up at 11 a.m. Pacific and wonder where we are, we are only three hours away. Uh also, tomorrow, I think there's a live episode of 451 coming out with Alex Maselli and maybe a live Rebel Civics on Wednesday or tomorrow sometime this week. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at underscore unsafe space. And um, yeah, don't forget to hit the subscribe button, share the content with a friend. And uh, what? Oh, one last thing we have our next book club. Our last book club was. The Gulag Archipelago, the abridged version. I can't recommend the book enough. Thomas did an excellent job on Book Club. Um, so if you just want an overview, you can go check that episode out. But um, as intimidating as the three-volume unabridged version is, the abridged version is actually not that not that bad. I would totally uh, recommend it, even if you are intimidated by long books. It's not that long. It's an easy read, and it's a worthwhile read. Our next book is June 12th. Uh, is the book club day is June 12th, and the book is House of Leaves by Mark Danielowski, hosted by Alex Maselli. She'll be the advocate for that month's book. So go ahead and get started on that if you want. Okay, that's enough for the all the housekeeping stuff. Um, this week we have two of my favorite panelists returning. Um, first, welcome Juliet, truth seeker Juliet. Uh, you might remember her know her from her work on Gab, where she exposes what Yuri Besmanov called ideological subversion in the West, or you may know her from her frequent appearances on the Independent Gang podcast or right here on Narrative Dissonance. Um, her Gab handle is truthseeker8487, so you can follow her there. Juliet, welcome. Hi, it's good to be back. Oh. <laughs> thanks for thanks for coming. Um, yeah, it's good to see you as well. How are you doing? You have a good I'm weekend? I did. I did. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Happy Mother's Day, indeed. Um, and someone who has never been on the show with Juliet. They've both been on independently, but I, I'm looking forward to this. Let's bring on Elle, a.k.a. Some Bitch I Know. You may know her from her relentless research um, at Some Bitch Media and the personification of its tagline, Cite Your, Cite your Sources or GTFO. She's helped explore, explode mainstream narratives around the coof, the 2020 election, Jeffrey Epstein, uh, and other issues. And you've seen here, here on Unsafe Space and other places on the interwebs. Elle, welcome. Hi. How are y'all? <laughs> Doing well. Elle, there's one place we're not going to see you anymore as of, I guess, a few minutes ago. Why don't you tell us about that? Let's just start Yeah. Oh, uh, about 40 minutes ago it was deplatformed from like, I don't know, like the 10th uh, fucking platform. Pardon my French. I realize this is a lot more of a... Uh, you know. It's not really a family show. It's okay. You well, that's okay. Uh, you know, it, I'm not kid friendly. Anyways, uh, my Discord just got banned uh, for, uh, according to them, I got a, a, a terms of service uh, warning uh, a little bit before that, about an hour before that, 
actually one hour exactly, I wonder if that has something to do with it, uh, for uh, participating in the uh, Foxhole Discord, which Foxhole is, of course, a alternative to Twitch, YouTube, etc. Uh, that's wonderful. And their Discord got banned about an hour prior. And then exactly one hour later, my Discord got banned. So that's really great. Mm. I really love it. I'm super excited. Thank, happy <laughs> to be here on Unsafe Space. <laughs> well, hey, um, because I'm in your Discord... Maybe our Discord will get banned soon, and, you know, we'll all just be banned. I apologize if my participation in Elle's Discord gets our Discord banned, everyone in our Discord. But, hey, Sorry. it's not her fault. It's not my fault. And uh, it's Discord's fault. So We're too dangerous. Well, yeah, really. Um, and they did they say what it was? Just um, So I've got uh Discord is, it says, hello, Discord is focused on maintaining a safe and secure environment for our community. We found your account to be in violation of our terms of service or community guidelines. As a result, we've disabled your account for the following reason. Your account posted misleading harm or harmful misinformation or was involved in servers dedicated to this content. Sincerely, Discord trust and safety. Mm, is there an so appeal process can, or is that it? I don't give a fuck. I'm not doing it. So. <laughs> I'm just wondering if they bother. Uh, I mean, it's the same thing as, uh, you know, I got banned from, from Twitter, uh, officially when I got banned from Twitter, uh, with my like 120 something follower account, uh, for making a joke about suicide by jet ski, which was hilarious by the way, but certainly not the most offensive joke I've ever made. Uh, I don't care. I refuse to like, we knew that our days were numbered on discord anyways. It's just a matter of when, not if. So today was that day. Where are you going to go? Know yet there's a few options so, we should talk because we'll we're gonna plan to go someplace we're gonna yeah, we'll try and maybe we'll coordinate and go to the same place we're gonna have a meeting of the minds uh pretty much after this stream ends with some people because other people who who have discords uh providence's discord uh silent act great uh quite a few people who are just guilty by association uh with me uh also got banned and typically speaking i'm one of the more banned people on the internet i've been banned from paypal twitter youtube etc uh but when all of those things happen, it always happens just kind of to me alone, and I'm able to pivot and deal with it, and it's kind of comes with the territory. However, uh, with this affecting so many other people, I want to make sure that I take you know their uh, thoughts into consideration and that we all move together as a unit and make sure that every single time one of these things happens, uh, it's an, the unfortunate kind of uh, reality that this sort of thing happens quite a bit. But anytime something like this happens, something better is right around the corner. And I firmly believe that, but I feel very sorry for uh, Chris and Claire. I mean, so many people that are just guilty by association got also banned today. And that's, I'm more pissed about that than I am about my own account getting banned, to be honest. You kind of get desensitized to it after a while, but I know that a lot of people who haven't had to deal with that sort of deplatforming yet, it's a rude, it's a rude awakening when it finally happens to you. So. Yeah. Yeah. The guilt by association sucks because you're knowing that you're taking that risk. Right. And so there's some kind of knowledge. You're like, okay, yeah. I know I'm me. I'm going to get banned. But it's unfair for the people who are just hanging out. Right. Well, and that's the thing is uh, anytime, like, the best thing that ever happened to me, genuinely, it sucked at the time, but right after I exposed a bunch of voter fraud, which has been vindicated time and time again uh, by 2,000 mules, by the way. Lovely. We're going to talk about it tomorrow night on Twitch. And maybe I'll get banned from Twitch too. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, when I got banned uh, for that, it was actually the best thing that ever happened to me. Granted, it sucked at the time and I wasn't able to have as uh, wide of an impact with uh, my discoveries there because, you know, they, uh, you know, cut me off. But uh, it 
taught me to be more resilient and to not put all my eggs in one basket. And this is kind of another one of those moments where Discord was very convenient. It had a lot of interoperability with other apps, but it is not the only platform out there. And by golly, if there's not one that suits all of our needs and we'll build our own, like that's, it comes down to that. And uh, I want to make sure that everyone who is guilty by association, uh, who hangs out in, in like my community, our community rather, uh, that they have a place to go and talk and that they know they can, be in a safe space, ironically enough. So, <laughs> well, there are, I know there are open source alternative starting points. Um, a lot for, of people are like saying if we gilded, had to build our own. Right. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, right. Exactly. I, I've looked into, I actually have a backup uh, server on Keybase. Keybase is pretty good. There's Gilded. Uh, there, there's a few options. But again, I'm going to take everyone else's uh, thoughts and, uh, you know, input into consideration with this because it's not just about me and it never has been. So, we're going to move together as a unit wherever we go. Well, uh, so if you get your if you got your Discord banned today, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, we're gonna get it banned eventually, even if we don't get it banned today. Uh, we kind of know what's coming. If you are a member of my Discord, you probably will get banned today. Yeah, I was a member of your Discord, so. Uh, so there we go. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, so. <sighs> sorry, I didn't mean to go on Julie, a rant. There no, the no, that's cool. <laughs> that's. that's uh, I mean. It happened right before the show. It's it's worth it's worth Literally, talking about. Yeah, so, like thirty minutes ago. Yeah. So. Um. All right. Let's let's let Juliet tell us. Juliet, what's the most important story about which mainstream media has been misleading us in the past week? All right. Okay. So this one, I'm gonna go with. Um. I got it actually. I'm confused now. I'm just gonna try to tell you who made the article. I saw it on Zero Hedge, but apparently it's also on Epic Times, like the same article, so maybe they work together. But um, they had some new footage I've never seen before from the Capitol on J6. Mm. <laughs> and it is really, like, I mean, it was shocking to me. So um, can we play that video? Yeah, let's, okay. yeah, let's just play that video. Uh, it's not that long. By the way, my notes, I the person on Rumble who posted this video, just to give them attribution, uh, is a guy named Epoch Joe. Um, I don't know who it is, but if you want to go follow someone on Rumble, that's the guy who posted it. So let's see. So should we pause? Just let's just yeah. tell people what's happening for people who are listening. Uh, do you want to walk them through what's happening right, okay. right now, Juliet? So we're seeing a bunch of the protesters. Um, if this is a view from inside the Capitol building, and the door is open, and there's a guy standing there, violently pulling people into the building. And you even see one of them kind of try to sidestep and not come in, but. I mean, he is actively yanking them through that doorway. Yeah. All right. Let's let's keep watching. So again, I don't know if people can hear that, but um, if you can't. There's a woman yelling, stop, stop, no, no, you pushed us in, you were pushing us in. And the man, Juliet, you want to do the big reveal? The man yeah. pulling people and pushing them? 
Yeah, so this this man that this person is yelling at is wearing an earpiece, like a classic, you know, government guy earpiece. It's very visible. Um, That's not suspicious at all. No, and I mean, can you imagine, though, the, like, I haven't seen this anywhere except for those two sources, but can you imagine for these poor people that are being prosecuted, if any of them were part of the crowd getting yanked through the door and now they're being prosecuted for, you know, rushing into the Capitol building? It's just, I mean, we all know this happened, but I haven't seen evidence this striking before the, this video yeah. yeah do we should we watch more or is there or should, is that good should we stop i think that's good that was the really striking part of it i mean i guess from that perspective is it all right i just want to play devil's advocate could it be a hearing aid because you know old guys with hearing aids like to push people into capital buildings <laughs> i guess so <laughs> I okay just, yeah, I'm just like, I'm still, every time I watch it, I'm just like, what on earth is happening there? They're just yanking them through the door. Yeah. I mean, it just looks like chaos, but, and then, there, like, also in the first part of that video, there's just a ton of guys wearing MAGA hats just standing around, like, right inside the door. Is there any knowledge of who that dude is? Like, has anyone, I see that he's got a hashtag, which is uh, James Dean wannabe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. know. This is? I, I'm sure. Not, I'm sure. Four chans already dug into it. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not even. I know. I'm not. I'm not even kidding. No. Four chans probably already on it. Kissy, let me know. <laughs> Kissy's in the chat. Kissy, have they looked it up yet? I'm sure they have. Let's see. We will find you. <laughs> Kissy's my four chan expert. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I went over to the chance, but. I don't see I don't anything. anything at the top, but you know, this was yeah. something from yesterday. Mm-hmm. Beverly yeah. says, I still don't understand how to use 4chan. Well, you know, it's not for everybody. 4chan is not for the faint of heart, but to be quite honest, it's the best place to go when something is breaking because they're on it. It's weaponized autism at its finest. It's wonderful. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I don't see, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see anything. Oh, well. Mm-mm. We won't spend our time on the show looking through 4chan. But um, that'd be a hell of a I mean, show. this is interesting in light. <laughs> yeah, that'll be all the show. In light of the fact that a lot of these people have been in jail for months or, or longer, over a year, um, on a misdemeanor trespassing charge. I don't know. Has everyone been charged yet, even? Or are they. Yeah, still, I'm not like, sure. Process? I mean, I guess they have to have been charged with something um not everyone has been charged uh with anything yet Uh, it's kind of the whole thing and a lot of people who uh a lot of people are are being held on like misdemeanor trespassing charges and things like that usually things that would keep you in jail for i don't know a max of like four hours uh so i just i honestly i've not been staying on top of the goings on with the cases as much as i should have but uh some people haven't been charged with like anything yeah, that was my understanding, but I haven't been paying attention either. But these are people who, I mean, if there's a right to a speedy trial, you'd think misdemeanor trespassing a year in jail, maybe, maybe it's, that's it, violation. We're right looking at we're coming up on like a year and a half. That's the thing is, you know, it's we're, yeah. we're in middle of May, 
yeah. and again, it's 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 misdemeanor trespassing is the charge that a lot of people have ended up being, uh, you know, actually charged with. Because yeah. believe it or not, insurrection is not a you know a legal charge. Uh, so there we go. And no access to their lawyers is Sophocles. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there's not access to lawyers. Uh, a lot of them haven't been able to contact uh, anyone like on a regular basis or a consistent basis. We should try and find. You haven't been paying attention. So I, we should find someone who has been and and chat with them at some point because it's one of those things that I feel guilty about not paying attention to because. I know that there's a bunch of people suffering for this and they shouldn't be like people. We should all know their names, the people that are in jail uh, and dealing yeah. with this. Um, well, you can, access, you can access the list on the uh, the FBI's website, but it's it, it takes a while to get through it. But yeah, well, um, that's uh, that's a good story, Juliet. Uh, and I wish more people were talking about it. I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it other than, damn. That's where <laughs> yeah. we Yeah. Well mean, said. Well said. Damn. Well, that's my insight. We, damn. That's where we live. Like, that's what's going on. All right. That's crazy, man. Yeah. yeah I mean, there's I not much to say about it other than, other than <laughs> that. Um, so, yeah. All right, Elle. Uh, what well, do you think is, is it we're being misled on? Well, I don't necessarily have something. Well, I mean, the ongoing issues with Russia and Ukraine uh, being one. And over the last uh, week, we've seen three very high profile uh, people in particular uh, just heading right to the middle of Ukraine. And most recently, yesterday, I don't know if you all saw this, but Bono uh, went to YouTube or, or Bono of YouTube, uh, you know, fame, infamy yeah. uh, that has all these uh you know, links to Global Citizen, uh, who's always right there in the middle of anything going on with NGOs and nonprofits. He's a he's a bad dude. Uh, but Bono went to a, a, a Kiev uh, bomb shelter and they sang a little uh, rendition of uh, what, what is it? Uh, Stand by me uh, in, in a Ukrainian bomb shelter. And just uh, just the day before, uh, Jill Biden uh, Dr. Jill Biden, actually, I guess it was the same day, uh, went to Ukraine uh, to meet with the first lady of Ukraine. And then just like a week before that, Nancy Pelosi showed up in Ukraine to receive a medal from Zelensky. And I just find these, you two putting on a concert in a bomb shelter, uh, Nancy Pelosi, like first ladies don't go to war zones uh, to drop off flowers. That's just... Not typically. That's a preposterous... <laughs> I No, because... And I have here uh, a screenshot of this to share, but I saw this originally on, on Instagram of all places, but here, let me uh, share screen. Because the ongoing, I guess, it's, it's a lot of like right-wing media, conservative media. This is from Newsmax. U.S. First Lady Jill Biden made an unannounced visit to Western Ukraine on Sunday, hosting a surprise Mother's Day meeting with the nation's First Lady, Elena, Z Elena Zelensky, as Russia presses its punishing war in the eastern regions. It's just like so much. It's just a bunch, <laughs> just a bunch of bullshit, honestly, is the best way it's I can just, describe it. It's so it. discontinuous from the shots of her husband in like uh, war gear. 
like acting like well, he's out there, you know, in a, in a sweater with with Pelosi to give her a medal. And then you have this is you two in, a, in the uh, Kiev bomb shelter. Oh, shit. Sorry. Uh, I don't know if y'all can hear that. But yeah, they're like they're putting on concerts in, in Kiev. And I just find this whole thing preposterous. So it's not necessarily like one particular news story, but just something that I'm paying attention to over the last week is like Bono's putting on a concert. Uh, Nancy Pelosi's there. I'm not going to play the music. I don't want you to get like copy stricken no, or anything like that. It. But yeah. Nancy Pelosi is visiting to get a medal. Jill Biden's dropping off flowers on the, during this punishing war in Ukraine. I just find it funny. Maybe the bomb shelter is the name of a club that's very popular in Ukraine, and he's at the bomb shelter <laughs> playing. He's <laughs> he's a he's a washed up fella. Like so, his his involvement, Bono's involvement, is honestly uh, one of the things. Hey, I'm pulling up something else to show you guys. Uh, Bono's involvement is always uh, a kind of a good litmus test of of what's the what's like the globalists are focused on, and like his involvement with an organization called Global Citizen, which is another one of those, um, just another one of those NGAs. They give they give festivals. That's a phrase that should scare you in and of itself, but okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Here, okay. So here we go. Let me uh, pull this up. Like this is. Uh, any I, I understand that there's like the like farm aid and a lot of different like celebrities never want to miss the opportunity to you know come together and sing imagine by john lennon off key or the you know remember remember the imagine rendition but like here's global citizen back in 2019 uh with Ho- hosier the guy who sang take me to church and bono uh it's part of the global fund or it, it, it's uh, Hooked up to the global fund. It's always kind of a litmus test for what they want. Uh, the people who are like, you know, big into like celebrity worship are focused on. It's always uh, interesting to me. Global Citizen is one of the big ones. And they were the ones that were pushing for everyone. to. It was the, I think they did the safe at home uh, campaign. Safer together at home. I'm pretty sure that was Global Citizen. Uh, and it, like they're always on top of it in a in the worst way possible. So that's what I'm focusing on. Uh, well, I, you know, until getting, you know, deplatformed today from getting, yeah from ye old uh, discord but that's that's pretty much what i got the punishing war I mean, in ukraine trudges on <laughs> i think a lot of these washed up celebrities i mean so just for the gen zers you might not know youtube bono you might know bono from raping your iphone years earlier that yeah was, that was bono <laughs> I, had um, a, I had a youtube edition ipod uh, back in the day it was black with like the red circle which is the holy crap that's like the global citizen circle Holy fuck! I just had a. It's like there we just realized that <laughs> the connections were made. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god. That's, That's the global crazy. citizen circle. That's. The f- <laughs> yeah. I'm just ha- sorry. I'm having a moment here. Um, well, the a lot right, of these guys on. become they when they're famous and they get uh, they get old, and the the younger generations don't care about their crap anymore. And so, instead of just playing conf- concerts for older people, which they still do. Uh, they become propagandists for some leftist cause. And I think Bono is – he's been a propagandist for, I don't know, like decades, at he's least like 20 years. in or the middle of it. Oh, it's it's it goes way back further than that. But yeah, Global Citizen is, a, is one of those ones that uh, – it's – join the movement, changing the world. It's, it's again, the, the, the powers that be uh, – 
they want you to live in a nationless, genderless, aimless, religionless. They don't, they don't want you to have any sort of uh, they don't want you to have any sort of ties to your uh, to your to your nation, to your community. They want you to they want you to consider yourself a, a a global citizen. But when when you do that, you remove people's identity, and that's another that's another big push in it, another big push. And if you've been following any of my stuff, uh, my big focus lately has been on metaverse. Uh, goings on. Bob Iger, Robert Iger, the former CEO of Disney, uh, moved to a very little known uh, metaverse company that uh, well, manufactures is kind of a weird word to put it, but they they, uh, make and sell digital avatars aimed at children. Uh, And and you can, you know, be anything you want to be in the metaverse. And again, it's this, you don't want people rooted in a single identity or to feel like they know exactly who they are. And that's how you get them to buy into these fantastical, uh, whimsical worlds where nothing is grounded in reality and they lose touch with everything going on around them so they can just become a good little, you know, just a good little peon, little cog in the machine. So... This is reminding me of um, like the Soviet view of people. Demand equity. Yeah. Right? Because it, it's, it's about um, molding people to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. And um, in fact, I was, uh, I remember, I man, I wish I could, I don't have the book in front of me, but I would figure out the citation for this. But there's a, there were comments by some of these leaders that were basically, um, they were pro thieves. They like they liked the thieves in the gulags because they were basically saying, "Well, you know, the capitalists steal much more, and you're just, you know, you're you're part of the new system." And they they the people that they threw in gulags and made work, were, they were kind of like, "Well, you know, you're we're fixing you as a human. We're we're making you we're making you contribute to the the communist." vision of the world in a way that you wouldn't have been able to contribute before. So stop complaining Be that grateful. you're getting three ounces of bread a day and you have no clothes and you're, you know, in, in Russian winters building a canal with no tools. You're contributing. You're part of a, you're part of our utopian society. So don't worry about well, it. it. It is all about narrowing, uh, it is all about narrowing uh, points of view and even the lexicon that people use to describe their discontent. I've A lot of people have been making references lately to George Orwell's 1984. And admittedly, despite being an English major, uh, which is a $30,000 mistake I don't recommend anyone else make, but I did make that mistake. I never actually read 1984 in my uh, in my studies in school. So I've actually been reading through it now. And one of the things, uh, I'm sure I'm saying something, I'm, I'm going to reference something that pretty much everyone already knows about but the whole uh, newspeak is the is the language in 1984 which mm-hmm. is it's very tailored down into what's ministry of truth approved uh and there's a quote in it uh in 1984 that really stuck out to me it says do you just not see that the whole aim of newspeak is to narrow down the range of thought in the end we shall make the thought crime literally impossible because there will be no words in which to express it and you see a lot of that happening now uh you see people who and i i admittedly am, am guilty of doing the exact same i'm going to uh, close out this window if you want to yep uh, you know, we can keep global citizen going on in the background. Um, but w- one of the things that you see now is is people getting uh, censored, banned, etc. And so I and I admittedly have done the same where then you want to watch what you say afterwards. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you follow TOS, which is something that literally, uh, you know, uh, naively enough, uh, 
or in my own naivete right before uh, my Discord got banned earlier, I was like, you know, if you see anyone, ban- uh, you know, violating TOS, let me know. Uh, we we know that our days are numbered here, but we want to protect as long as that we as long as we can. But it literally doesn't matter. Like honestly, my Discord was pretty mild. It doesn't matter. They want you to be scared that you could lose everything at any given time, and they want you to be so desperate to stay on their platforms because there are no alternatives, or that you haven't you don't have your community on their platform that you'll you'll stop thinking in certain ways. You'll self censor before you even express your own sort of thought, and that's what we see more and more. And it's honestly terrifying. That's exactly the goal. I don't want to spoil 1984 for you if you haven't finished it. But <laughs> I'm about, I'm about ex- halfway through. So. Okay. I mean, that is exactly the goal. And we know this about language. Um, you know, languages are, are – words are labels for concepts. And you can't mm-hmm. think without abstract concepts. You can't, you can't think in, in any real human level without concepts. And, and conceptual thought requires language. We, it's not like we evolved – as conceptual beings and then someone was like hey how about we write stuff down like that evolved in tandem with language you can't involve your thinking without also evolving the labels for for concepts and um it it is scary i catch myself doing it uh we all do self-censoring a little bit yeah and that's absolutely the goal it's absolutely the goal um and and you'll notice if they ban a word or a phrase and the community finds a substitute for that word or phrase, eventually they'll just ban that because they're they're trying to ban the concept, not the language. That's the problem. It's the same reason that you saw um, social justice warriors. They called themselves SJWs early on. I remember like maybe 10 years ago having a conversation with a woman who was a self-described SJW arguing because she had just graduated from college recently and she was- Imagine. Yeah, very, very much about how awesome social justice was. She called herself an SJW. Fast forward now, it's a derogatory term. You're not allowed to say SJW, but I mean, you can, but they they complain about it being used. But it doesn't matter what you call them. You could call them anything. They don't want a label because a label allows you to identify them as a group that Mm -hmm. has a particular ideology. And that's Mm -hmm. that's not allowed. It's a I I, I studied actually the the proudest uh, C I ever made in college. It's actually the only C I made in college. I uh, was in my survey of critical theory class, which is ironic as all get out. Uh, on the other side of college, I didn't quite realize how, you know, Marxist quite a lot of the thinking is. But we studied a, a, a philosopher, or I guess a, just one of the like French thinkers, uh, Jacques Derrida, who spoke a lot about signs and signifiers and kind of how uh, humans describe things. And the difference between a sign and a signifier is your sign is whatever, like say I'm trying to describe to you like this Sharpie. Uh, the sign is the Sharpie. The signifier are all the different ways that I describe the Sharpie to you. And unless you can see it yourself, uh, the the breakdown in between what I'm explaining to you and what it actually is, is kind of like where you get lost in kind of... Uh, like being able to express yourself. And as we narrow down our signifiers, uh, we're unable to express thought on a more complex level, which is again, it's a Orwellian. It truly is Orwellian. And again, I felt bad for making ministry of truth and jokes and things like that and not actually having read the book. So I've been doing that in my spare time. Do y'all ever do that? You just make references. I do that with movies. I just read the summary because I don't like to watch movies, but like, I feel like I'd be a poser if I didn't read. I don't usually well. do that. I mean, I, maybe I, if I do that, I usually then feel so guilty about it that I have to go read the thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, like, wait a minute. I just made a reference that I don't think I really understand. I need to go read it so that I understand it. 
But now oh. when like a new Marvel movie comes out or whatever, I'll just go read the summary so that when someone's like, oh yeah, and I'm like, yeah, damn, that's crazy, bro. Like no one, <laughs> like, I have no interest in watching the multiverse of madness. I just resign my, like I just accept the identity of being the, the, the dude who doesn't know anything about Marvel movies. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Did your superhero do something that you didn't like? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> someone um. probably made a snarky comment and then did something heroic because that is the formulaic of, like structure of every Marvel movie. <laughs> right. They've taken the James Bond cliche and made it into an entire genre of superheroes. But instead of it being campy <laughs> like James Bond is, where it's like, like it, it's very much like tongue in cheek and like every it, it's camp. Like with Marvel, they take it very, they take it very seriously. Like it's very serious that they're, they're making absolutely stupid quips in the middle of a, you know, battle for their lives and for the fate of the universe. Like, Come on, yeah. bro. If you enjoy Marvel movies, whatever. I'm not gonna judge you that much, but like I, I'm I'm fully on the like I'm fully on board with the whole concept of let people enjoy things. There's very few things that people are that are enjoyable these days. However, uh this is just not not for me. Yeah, I don't have a problem with people enjoying it. It's just not my there's lots of things. I don't enjoy watching cricket, but that's fine. Someone someone does. Well, you're um, just not you're just not enlightened enough to enjoy cricket. <laughs> Yeah. smart people sport i guess <laughs> i guess it? i think it is i don't know it at seems least like, they have accents so it seems like we oh we're watching cricket <laughs> yeah. it seems, it seems it's a rich person thing it's like polo is it maybe i don't know <laughs> the guy the guy want to hear a, this is a dumb story unrelated to everything the guy that used to live next door to me i think he like they they moved their kids moved away and whatever i was having a conversation with him one day like a couple years ago and it turns out he's he was one of these people who had like seven no was it seven or it was like more than that he had like a, a whole stable full of polo horses and he was totally like he had all the polo snobbery going on but you didn't like i guess it was in his youth so he was old so he was kind of talking about how he used to do all the polo um he was the only person i ever met who actually played polo so there you go I grew up riding horses, but there's there's two different ways to be like a horseback rider. And like one of them is the very, the very poor way, which is the way I did it. And then like others are like, you can spend literally as much money as you want to on horses and it'll mm -hmm. never be enough. And that was not, yeah. you know, I, I leased, we leased my horse for like, it's like not very much. And I, I could never, go, I couldn't go to too many shows because it costs a lot of money to go to horse shows and like we just couldn't afford it. So yeah, there's a lot of different ways to be involved in horseback riding stuff. Hi, yeah, Kitty. my daughter does, does riding. My daughter is like lives at the barn and mm -hmm. thankfully Aww. she's, thankfully she's turned off by all of the like pretentious, expensive side of horseback riding. And she's like, I want to, it's so much you know, fun. Well, she does. She does all the like gritty stuff and likes it. So I'm like, okay, good. Go shovel out. Go shovel stalls or whatever. That's Aww. great. Um, that, that's better. It's cheaper for us. Um, all right. Well, uh, no, I didn't do yourselves. I did. Uh, I did uh, hunter jumper, and then I also did barrel racing, but we weren't very good at it. It was just fun. I don't Sorry, actually I saw know the chat I just like I know to show up and like clap when she jumps over a thing. It <laughs> it's so much fun. Like I highly like there are ways if you have if you have kids like it's a really great uh, activity to get them involved in. And there are ways to do it on the cheap because like uh, we were we grew up very, very poor in like rural Alabama. And like, you know, like, granted, there's horses everywhere in Alabama, but still uh, there's ways to do it for very inexpensive. And it's it's super fun. It's very unique. I highly recommend maybe looking into it. But like. 
there will come a time where someone you know is like what if you tried dressage no it's a gateway drug right. way too expensive <laughs> yeah drug to losing all your money on horse stuff uh, we've already reached the why don't we try dressage point yeah <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is um okay so um one uh, before we move on i want to i want to just I want to ask you guys a question about, you know, you brought up Ukraine and this, you know, I guess Biden and Bono and everyone else hanging out in Ukraine. And it, and it made me, it made me think of that this morning I heard a story in, in, on NPR. Yes. Shoot me for listening to NPR, but I do listen to NPR. Uh, cause you gotta pay attention to what the enemy is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised they are, They've decided that they need to fall on the Walter Durante sword. Um, and they need to admit that he was a lying propagandist. Like, I, I know there's like New York Times already has like a little thing at the bottom of their page about Walter Durante. But um, it's the kind of thing that the mean the mainstream media never really they kind of are silent about it and don't talk about it. And NPR this morning did a whole story about Walter Durante in the context of Ukraine. Um do you guys actually, both know who Walter Duranty is, or should I? I'm looking him up the... right now. <laughs> I'll, no, I'll go I'll not. So Walter Duranty in might have been the 20s and 30s. So it was Stalin era. Um, so I guess it was 30s. Okay, yes, now I do. Okay, he's a New York Times. He was the New York Times man in Moscow, right? He was their he was their main dude in Moscow reporting on the Soviet Union, and because he was. Many reporters have been long ideologue, like long, long allied with the left. It's not new that the that that the media is on the left. He was um, he was basically just a propagandist for truth. Uh, uh, um, no, it's me too. Okay, you cut out for what a happened? There. Oh, I did. You turned yeah. into a robot. Oh, um, briefly. I well, I'm back in all of my non-robot. Yeah, you're, you're good. I'm now. pretty robotic normally. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he he. So at the, what was happening at the time was this is the time of the Holodomor. Stalin is busy starving two million Ukrainians, right? And you've got the kind of stuff you have going on in the Ukraine is he's trying to to. Um, I, I think he's just trying to break their spirit. I'm not exactly sure what his goals are, but he's starving. He's taking the food away. These are the the farmers. It's the bread basket of the USSR. He's he's t- taking their food and starving. The he's kicking productive farmers off of their land. He's just destroying um, Ukraine. And you've got people eating. I mean, there's cases of there's like documented cases of cannibalism happening. People eating you know, rats and whatever, like desperately trying to survive millions of people starving to death. And Durante is running around and coming back and and reporting back to the U.S. Oh, you know, there's some malnutrition. There's some people that are a little bit hungry, but no one's starving. And, you know, you got to break a few eggs to make an omelet and it's all good. And and like the, the, the beautiful new plan is awesome. And he's reporting things like Potemkin villages as if they're real. And and meanwhile, he knows all of this. He knows this is all false. And he's doing it anyway because he's a stooge for Stalin. And he gets a Pulitzer Prize from this. Um, he gets awarded a Pulitzer for his reporting. And not only that, when you do have reporters who 
uh, very few, but you have a couple of reporters brave enough to start reporting the truth. They all get attacked and vilified by the New York Times and Duranty and they get they're the ones who get um, marginalized. And there's I mentioned this, I think, last week, but there's an excellent movie. Al, I know you don't like watching the movies, but there is an excellent movie. If you don't if you want to just watch a movie, watch Mr. Jones. It was made a few years ago. Not it's, it's new. And it's about um, it's about a reporter who goes to Moscow and uh, discovers the truth. And Walter Durante is kind of one of the major players in the movie. Um, and it will get you up to speed on that whole. I'll watch it on double speed, maybe. Double. All right. You don't have to watch. I'm going to. I might. I won't. But anyway, the mainstream media is bringing this up. They're they're now admitting. And I'm wondering if they see what's happening in Ukraine now and they're trying to address the issue head on because I think a lot of people are saying, well, you guys are just propagandists. Now you're just on a different side. You have different propaganda. You're still pushing in the same region, Ukraine. Um, well, and I New think York they're Times, trying to say, they, well, they, they try know. to have plausible deniability. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. interrupt. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm interrupting today. Well, one of the, the other story that I was going to uh, that I was going to highlight that I couldn't quite figure out how to tie it in, but the New York Times just released this pretty scathing uh, review of schools that remained closed and the effect that it had on kids, uh, whereas kids who remained in the classroom over the last uh, two years, I think it was over the duration of 2020 that the study took place, but it might have been 2020 and 2021, but kids who remained in the classroom uh, after the course of that uh, period of time uh, still saw about a 20% reduction in their, uh, particularly in math, their aptitude, but kids who uh, studied remotely or well studied remotely is kind of a, it's a loose term but kids who who learned remotely uh showed about a 50 percent uh you know they showed about 50 percent less aptitude in math uh, than they should have uh in that same span of time and they released a pretty scathing report on that but the new york times has been a champion for randy weingarten for the aft and for the school closures and i there's a lot of this like retconning basically and, and mm. kind of cover your ass sort of reporting that's coming out now where they're like well you know well we we're, we're talking about it now it's fine now uh, same right. thing about like like the Hunter Biden laptop. What granted, people won't uh, you know really accept that that ever really happened. But you know they put out a couple of articles about it, hide it on like the fifth page of their website or like on the very last page of the New York Times, and they're like, oh yeah, no, we reported on it. You're crazy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and then pretend that they were. I mean, the 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 unconscionable thing here is like they're reporting on this, but they're actually the the real story is is involves the New York Times. They're part of the story, which is propaganda was pushed for two years to that that ended up having a harmful effect on kids. And you as the propagandist are now reporting on it as if you're uninvolved in this. Uh that's not uh that's not above board by any means. Oh no, it's fine when they do it. Right. Have, have you talked about the hypocrisy of the media yet? <laughs> Just imagine mm. if the roles were reversed, Carter. Just imagine. Oh I know, I know. You know what? Wait, I don't actually like when people say you can't do whataboutism because. Yes, you I, can, but I'm going to make fun yeah. of it sometimes. No, but people say make, make fun of whataboutism. But I, I think actually we're putting we're. We're pointing out hypocrisy, which is relevant. Like, I, I don't see why what ab- no. whataboutism isn't a thing. No, I'm making it. I'm making a little bit of a joke I know about you it are. because just, because yeah. so many people are like you know like there's like the meme of like a of a like a tombstone. It's like here lies you know conservatism. Just imagine if the roles were reversed. And but while 
while it is easy for those of us who see it a lot more clearly, that sort of kind of inconsistency in the narrative genuinely is one of the things that can be the catalyst for people to start seeing things in a very different way. It was literally what happened for me when I had my little red pill moment. It didn't happen overnight, but uh, it was it was with the uh, hurricane, I think Maria, that went through Puerto Rico. And about a year after that, after I had made all these scathing posts on Facebook that got a bunch of likes that I was super proud of, I discovered that I was completely wrong about it. And people pointing that out and like how hypocritical it was of the media, like that that was what started it for me. So while I make fun of it at the same time, there are plenty of people who maybe are just need that little bit of jar, like like that little bit of like a jarring like shake back to reality to like to start that journey for themselves. So I'll make fun of it all day long, but I also do the same thing. So Yeah, I mean look the what reason why I like them all day long. <laughs> the reason I want to point I mean I think it's actually super important. I, I was thinking about this. One of the, I mean, this is kind of really back back to the Walter Durante, but you're making me think about. There's this argument Sorry. about should he get his Pulitzer re- revoked, um, and I was thinking about it. And I actually don't want him to get his Pulitzer revoked. I mean, posthumously. I want well, us it, to not. It looks trust like Pulitzer Pulitzers. said no. Um, they've, they've said, yeah, but now there's like, there's like, it's the, it's being talked about again. They originally said oh. no. Right. But, um, well, in 2003, so we're about right. 20 years out the, out from that. Yeah. But I, I think rather than revoking the reward and rewriting history, I like, let's just not trust Pulitzer and let's not trust the New York times. Let's, let's stop trusting these interest institutions and stop giving them away to expunge the record and pretend like they're pristine. They're not. And they do this stuff. They have a history of doing this stuff. And maybe the right outcome is continued skepticism, not whitewashing the history and being like, oh, well, we revoked the Pulitzer. So now, like, yeah, millions of people died, but we fixed it because we took away the award. It's like, all right, well, that doesn't really solve the problem. Right, absolutely. Um, Well, like, it's interesting with him. I read a book about it's called red famine and hilariously enough it's written by ann applebaum i don't know if everybody saw that video like a couple weeks ago where at a college the guy asks her like why she didn't report on biden hunter biden's laptop and she says she didn't think it was interesting enough to report on so it's kind of like by the way she's on the pulitzer board by the way oh i'm not shocked i'm not sorry ann applebaum Um, but so that's where I learned about Walter Duranty and he was living the high life in Moscow. Like he is literally Mm -hmm. going to feasts every night and there were food shortages throughout Russia. It wasn't even just Ukraine starving. I mean, that was a serious problem and they're just showing him the time of his life. And then all the other journalists that were there, the foreign correspondents are living in like horrible apartments, terrified to say the wrong thing. Like they want to report on what they're hearing, but they can't because, you know, they also have this guy, like the perfect mouthpiece for the regime. But um, it's just very interesting. Who gets access to Stalin? The other people don't. He can go do interviews with Stalin, which obviously uh, in, in, in modern language, we would say get gets clicks. Right. Like right. he can go, he can go get his, he can go get his clicks. He can go be like, oh, I talked to Stalin. Did you talk to Stalin? No, Stalin <laughs> won't talk to me. Yeah. That's because you're honest and I'm not honest. like, that's why. Right. right. 
Yeah, um, it's just, it's insane. And, like, the fact that when they first tried to get his Pulitzer revoked, when all this information really started coming out, Pulitzer said no. Like, I mean, that to me was just, okay, so you just have no authenticity then. Like, absolute, a Pulitzer means absolutely nothing. Yes. Yeah, I agree with you, <laughs> That's though. It's what good I want. to know. Yes. <laughs> good to know. Same, I mean, same thing with, like, the Nobel Prize. Uh, oh, for, my gosh. Like, like, so here's here's one. Here's another one. I, granted, it's a lot smaller scale, but, like, you know, every year Forbes put out puts out, like, their 30 under 30 list, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's like, all a scam. People, they, yeah. If you people don't pay know to that, be on that, people yeah. pay to be on that. Uh, anytime a brand is mentioned in a positive light in the media, like uh, like Huffington Post, like there's a big expose that was done about this uh, about uh, two years ago. Like Huffington Post was charging about like between like fifty to like two hundred dollars for like a positive brand mention in like an article. But, like New York Times, uh, Forbes, etc., uh, can charge thousands and thousands of dollars for that sort of thing. So any sort of like mention of anything or any sort of nomination to a list, even the bestseller list of the New York Times, like the, all of those things are so rigged. Nobel Prize is rigged, Pulitzer Prize is, li- is rigged, and the it's not necessarily that it's starting to become corrupt. It's that these things have always been that way, but you start to learn how they actually work and um you know yeah i i don't i don't know that i would sad. call them all this like rigged in the way of like there's some conspiracy it's just that there's a well it's a way, a to, way buy it, to buy that, influence like not necessarily yeah. like it's the, the forbes 30 under 30 list is you know arguably quite low stakes but it still is like it's not like this organic you know they seek out it, it, the people are sponsored or they pay for it you have to have a rich daddy or you have to have, know someone who has right. a rich daddy to get on it yeah, it's it's money and and I would actually say for that particular list based on what I know of it it's it's influence which money buys. It's a network. So it's like if you know this person you know all you have to do to convince yourself that the 30 under 30 list is bullshit is read the bios of the people and you realize like this person isn't special why the hell are they on? <laughs> it's like oh cuz they know someone or their daddy's rich or whatever like they're they're rich or whatever like that's why. That's why. Uh, <sighs> oh to have a rich yeah. dad. so what story should we be paying attention to that we're not paying attention to either one doesn't matter who wants to answer this one you go first juliet okay all right i um hold on i'm so old school i'm such a like a boomer at heart that i print things still (laughs) i do the same thing although i i'm older than you so i have an excuse but still I did I've the same. been I considering getting. I don't have a printer, but I've been considering getting one for that exact reason to have like my notes in front of me when I do like my streams and stuff. So I don't know what it's it so is. much better, Al. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, really and you can like write shit on them. It's just it's better than a screen. Yeah, I don't know. Highlight, yeah, yeah. Like printer ink is so expensive. I'm all on a budget, y'all. But I've it been is. thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. If you care about loggers, you will buy a printer. <laughs> Go ahead, Julia. Okay. I never cared about anything more, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) So um, let's see. Okay, yeah. So this was in the Wall Street Journal on the 8th. So yesterday, I don't even know what day it is. Um, Headline is, electricity shortage warnings grow across the U.S. Power grid operators caution that electricity supplies aren't keeping up with the demand amid transition to cleaner forms of energy. And then it goes on to make really dire warnings about how the West Coast is just not going to make it through the summer. Heaven forbid there's a heat wave. But lo and behold, the thing that people have been screaming this whole time, 
we're not ready for any kind of transition. Like the infrastructure isn't there. Our grids already can't handle this, but we're going to keep pushing it so hard that now that people keep buying Teslas and charging them all the time, the they actually already can't handle that demand. I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. Al, you look like you have a comment. You or no? No, I'm just. I'm really. I'm. I for one, I'm looking forward to the rolling blackouts. <laughs> you know, I'll, I have. Maybe I'll go outside. Well, Probably because not, I'm though. in the west on the west coast, right? I I purchased a generator. Um, precise. Last year we lost power at least a half a dozen times, and when I say lost power, I don't mean for 15 minutes. I mean like like days on a end. Day. Right? Yeah. yeah, like oh like a significant amount of time where like all of the meat in the meat fridge would have gone bad, like a long time, right? You have a meat fridge? Um, That's so American of you. I, I love it. A meat freezer. I have a meat freezer downstairs, yes. Hell yeah. Um, Good for you. You have to have a meat freezer. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, it would have all gone bad, like like significant amount of time. And uh, yeah, I man, there's so much to that story. First of all, the Teslas, I love, I think Tesla, all right, Teslas are super cool, just like coolness factor. If you've ever driven a Tesla, they're fun and cool and they're great tech. And they're powered by coal. They're not, they're not, they're not solar powered. They're not powered by wind. They're powered by coal. I mean, unless you live in a spot where it's really weird and you're getting your electricity from non-coal, which is not many places. Basically, they're powered by coal. So this idea that like switching to Teslas somehow it people treat it like it's this free, clean energy. It's like, well, it's not free. It's cool. It's a cool car, but you take it home and you plug it into the power grid, and that's where the energy comes from. And like usually that's coal. So, yay, yay for you. <laughs> um, Just doing our part to save the planet. Yeah, but. Uh, California really doesn't care. California is, um, well, I, let's just talk about the environmentalists generally. I, so the big problem I have with this clean energy crap is it's not focused on human flourishing and thriving, right? Cheap energy is why humans have higher standard of living, survive longer. Like, you know what kills people? Not, not global warming. People freeze cold. Cold kills people. Yeah, some people without air conditioning who are old in warm parts die. That's true. But we did invent air conditioning, which, by the way, requires cheap energy to run. Um, so th this whole pretense that we can throw away the thing that is probably – I mean, I would say of all the inventions in human history, the one that helps humans life the most is cheap energy. And the idea that we're going to throw it away because AOC and her cronies like the look of windmills and have a fantasy about solar power that they masturbate to is ridiculous. It's so stupid. Sorry. Oh, I oh, got. I don't want to think about that. No, I didn't get upset. I just, you know, there's some mental images that are best left, you know, not thought up. They get off on this idea of clean energy, which is not a thing. Like it doesn't, it's not, it's not viable. It's just not viable. And we're no. sunny in California. Well, if it were going to be viable anywhere, it would have to be California. It's sunny like year round, consistent temperature. I mean, you've got the whole ocean right there. So you have all these options. But 
yeah, they don't, they know it's not viable, but they're convincing the population to, to go along with this. And I mean, I know people that they don't want to hear the truth, but they're genuinely trying to live these like green lives because they care. It's like, you know, they're appealing to people's goodness in a way. Some of them are, you know, just virtue signaling, but some people actually care a lot and are trying to do the right thing. It's like nothing you're doing is actually helping. They just, they're fooling everybody. I mean, not, not us clearly, but it's just so annoying to me. Well, and I think it hurts. Here's the thing about California that that bothers me the most. The people in control of California politics, for the most part, are it's L.A. and San Francisco. It's the mm-hmm. people with the money. It's the influencers in L.A. and San Francisco. They donate the most money. They have the most influence in media. They sway public opinion. Like, those are the people that are that are having influence. And by and large, these people are wealthy enough that it doesn't matter. They don't care. I don't think people understand the level of wealth that's normal in like middle class Bay Area. We just my wife and I just yesterday went to an open house just for fun. That was not far away from us. It was a three bedroom house. Um, It was on more than an acre, but but 75 percent of that was a ravine. So like not a lot of not a huge plot. Right. That was usable. It was like $1.9 million for it. And the house was built in like the 60s or something. It's like an old house that had three bedrooms and it's almost $2 million. That's normal for the Bay Area. Like there's a lot of money here. And these people don't care what the power costs are. They don't care what the gas prices are. They're the same people that are saying support the war in Ukraine, even if it costs your gas gas to go up. They don't care. They don't care about power costs. They don't care about gas costs. They don't care about any kind of cost for for any of the normal live your life kind of things. Whereas regular people, because there are a lot of regular people also just don't have the influence in California. They're this is killing them. The gas prices are killing them. Mm -hmm. The the intermittent. How much is a gallon of gas over there right now? Oh, it's it's over five bucks. It's uh it might be close to six. I don't remember. It depends where you are. It's ridiculous. God. What is I yours? Our, our car was 103 bucks yesterday. I filled it up. I, I filled up the car yesterday. Yeah, I'm at like 430. We're at like 365, 370 a gallon right now, which is lower than it was. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit yeah. over four for a while. I filled up my car. It usually costs like when gas is at its lowest, granted, I know that like I knew that the prices were gonna go back up after like the like super like dip in like during COVID and all, but like yeah. it usually costs between like forty to like forty-five dollars to fill up my tank. And it cost sixty-five dollars the other day. Like that yeah. is like twenty dollars more to fill up a tank. Like that's a huge amount of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. That's, that's not like it's crazy. You know, an extra like five cents a gallon. That's twenty extra bucks. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's significant. It's significant. And um, and I think, you know, someone in chat is saying, well, it's not, you know, it's, and I think this person actually lives in California. They're saying it's not as much money as you think. It's just inflated cost of living. It is an inflated cost of living. But the issue is there's so many people who can afford that, um, that like th- there are a lot of people who just don't care. Um, and they're in positions of influence. And then there's a, an entire class of people who get destroyed when gas prices go up or mm-hmm. when power goes out and like they they lose power for a day i mean it really impacts people and they just don't care because they've got an agenda a climate agenda 
Wasn't it in uh, quotes. in uh, like the Los Angeles area? I'm pretty sure like during COVID too, uh, weren't they like shutting off people's power and water if people were caught mm-hmm. violating the mm-hmm. uh, lockdown mandates? Like, I think so. Th- this I has nothing so. to do with like, yeah. but like they were like cutting off people's uh, access to like power and water for breaking COVID protocol. Right, because they care. Mm-hmm. Yes. Safer at home together without power and water. Yeah, I, I just, it's, good? uh, I, the ironic, well, it's not ironic. The sad thing is a lot of these people are the ones who are running around patting themselves on the back for how good they're doing. Like Juliet's saying, they think they're doing good. Um, mm-hmm. And they're literally destroying the pe- their neighbors. Like they give, just they give each other fake rigged awards uh, in order <laughs> right. to prove their goodness, you know? Yeah. You you shut off a grandma's power because she had more than three people at her house. You're a good person. That's right. You got to teach grandma. Well, she's probably MAGA grandma. You can't have them living. They're no, not no. Good. They don't need power. No, that's not the grandma we're trying to save here. Clearly, yeah. she's uh, <laughs> not that she's, one. She thinks the wrong thoughts and says the wrong things. Mm-hmm. She's a danger to our democracy. Sorry. Yeah. Drop yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. The guy who said he lived in. Uh, I thought lived in California. Doesn't he lives in New York City? But it's the same thing. Uh, New York, New York, similar. So, um, I lived in California yeah. for about a year for work, uh, and I left like two days before the whole state caught on fire. That happens um, every year, so you have yeah. to be more specific. Yeah, it was like the, it's time for like the seasonal <laughs> fire. I ended up I I was there for a year contract for work, and I ended up voiding my contract a month early. I mean, like they they allowed me to to cut it short. Uh, I was I was ready to leave, and like I uh, just I ended up selling my car, my old car, out there. Uh, and so my dad came to get me, like he and uh, my like stepmom. They were like, well, hell yeah, we'll take a road trip, and so they came to get me, and like. As we were leaving, we were like in like somewhere in like Wyoming, like staying a couple nights just to like, you know, be out in Wyoming because it's beautiful. Uh, like it's like everything just caught on fire. I've never been happier to have been gone from somewhere in my life. So. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're good at earthquakes and fire. Those are things. Um, there's like a whole leaning uh, I lived in the the Bay Area and there's like a whole like leaning skyscraper there. I don't mm-hmm. know if they've ever done anything about it. It's just like it's, it's just slowly oh, yeah. falling over. No, into that's the still sea. there. <laughs> yeah yeah oh boy what are you gonna do it's like when a tree starts to die and you're just like eh, a storm will take it down eventually like what That's oh there's a huge yeah. not that this like has no whatever but there's a huge oak tree that fell down by my house the other day because the water the ground got so mm-hmm. um it got so just soaked with rain super quickly and just like the whole thing uprooted roots and all it's pretty crazy yeah I know, it's super exciting, I know. I'll tell it again if you want. <laughs> yeah, which tell see do it more slowly. What kind of tree was it? An oak tree? It was an oak tree. Um, and all the roots came up too, and it was really cool to see. All I mean, it's kind of sad because you know the tree had been there for a long time, but still, like when you see like a like a, a tree, you know, break and there's like a you know, the the a cleavage point would be like with a rock, but you know what I mean? Like the point like it, it splinters somewhere and like the half of it falls over but like this was like the whole damn thing i thought that was pretty interesting like the ground had become so saturated mm-hmm. that it just tumped over yeah so. but whenever they talk about reducing carbon and things like you have to remember that like the human body is made up of like 20 to 30 percent carbon something like that like carbon is like the sixth uh it's like number six on the periodic table like one of the most abundant uh 
you know, elements in the universe. So when they talk about reducing carbon, they're not talking about like, they want to reduce you. You are the carbon they want to reduce. Mm-hmm. So any sort of, any of these like dr- draconian measures, uh, like it's 100% about you. Uh, you are the carbon. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think when they say themselves. carbon, I assume they mean carbon dioxide, but I don't know. Um, which plants love. So that's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with the idea of looking at what impact is what we're doing having on the environment? Like that's a fine question to ask, but it should be in terms of how does that hurt us as humans? Not, uh, Hey, this, the environment can never change from the way it is. Like it's constantly changing. It's been changing forever. It will continue to change. The question is how do humans thrive? Like if putting carbon dioxide, like if putting carbon into the atmosphere in order to have air conditioning, for people and refrigeration, if that's necessary, so be it. Air conditioning and refrigeration are good and and heat, right? Those are things that are good for humans. Those help humans. We You'll can take deal my with- air conditioner and my refrigerator over my dead body. Which might, it <laughs> right. might come down to that, but like over my dead body, will I give up my air conditioning in the summer in Alabama? Go to right. hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But they never, you never see, I I also don't think a lot of them believe it. Obama bought like an $8 million house in Martha's Vineyard, which like if he believes this, his own crap would be underwater soon, right? So like they don't even believe their own stuff. They just make predictions and then like, well, insurance companies are one to look for when it comes to when it comes to issues with with yes. climate, uh, and and also with with COVID. One of the things that's kind of starting to happen now in the COVID narrative, not to pivot entirely, but uh, you know, insurance companies are starting to catch up to the fact that there are abnormal uh, mm-hmm. reactions to the vaccines because they're having to report them, they're having to code them as such. There was a, a, a in Germany a. Uh, executive at one of the insurance companies got in, like he got sacked because he was reporting on these like the actual uh, like di- when you when you leave the uh, doctor with your like little carbon paper uh, carbon paper who uh, <laughs> like it has it has a medical code and, and like they're coding things as adverse uh, reactions to vaccines and these are just the people that actually had to seek medical attention for it uh, and that's starting to happen here as well and while they're doing a little bit better of a job the cartels uh, you know the, the insurance cartels here are doing a little bit better of a job of covering of uh, you know keeping it all hush hush it's it's not going to last forever and same thing with uh, you know climate change again no insurance company in their right mind would insure a property on coastlines uh, if they knew it was going to be underwater or if they truly believed it was going to be underwater in 5 years they just simply wouldn't especially not mega mansions yeah. on like Martha's Martha's Vineyard but yeah. here we are no i that's a great that's a great um i love i love that cheat right what is the, mm-hmm. what do the actuaries say? That's it's a cheat. What do the actuaries say? Like, oh, okay, because they're the ones who actually make or lose money based on how much risk they ascribe to this. And if they if they're not if they're insuring your house in Martha's Vineyard, then probably they expect it to be there for quite some time, regardless of what any climate reports say. I think like degradation of our physical environment is something that should 100% be paid attention to though. I mean, when you ruin entire biomes in the ocean for dumping like trash, like that's a big issue that can throw off the whole food chain. Those are like uh, keeping the, you know, earth to a, you know, this two degrees Celsius threshold is, would not have the impact of, of, you know, making it, food system that is not thrown off uh, by you know ruining it in the in the, the big plastic hunk in the ocean uh right 
Was yeah, like, no, it's it, it like the size of like Madagascar or something bigger than that. Even it was huge. Yeah, yeah, right. So there are things to worry about that do affect humans. That we we hurt like we hurt ourselves, but this isn't this isn't one to lose our lose sleep over. Like the fact that we like there's some slight warming. It's like yeah, okay, that's nice. That happens. Yeah, um, my dad right. told me my dad was born in the mid '60s, and he told me that like in the '70s, towards the late '70s, which I have a copy of this summer, they were planning to sprinkle coal dust on the North and South Pole to attract the heat from the sun to melt them because they were concerned about the impending ice age. Yes, uh, yes. I've been so I've been paying attention to this for for basically my whole life since I was in high school. And do you follow Tony think- Heller? He does a great job. No. He is Tony like one Hiller? of my favorite. Tony Heller. T-O-N-Y. He's on Gab and I think still on. on he might have been. Yeah, he should. He might have been banned from uh, from Twitter by this point. But it's T-O-N-Y-H-E-L-L-E-R. He does such a good job in covering the different uh, changes in, in climate discussion. I 10 out of 10 would recommend Tony Heller's work. Okay. Uh, no, I follow Michael Schellenberger does some stuff as well. He's like, uh, he comes, I think he's actually in Berkeley, but he's oh, but- like, he's one of these guys who's like, not, he's not like coming from the perspective of, um, you, you know, a quote denier or whatever. He's like, Hey, you guys, I think his book is apocalypse. Never like his book is like, <laughs> yeah, stop freaking people out. Like when you make these like crazy claims and you say that the sky is falling and you're trying to say it's a catastrophe, you lose credibility. It's not a catastrophe. There are changes. It's not a catastrophe. We can deal with them. Like stop be you know, stop being hyperbolic because when you're hyperbolic, people just ignore you. All right. Because they know you're wrong. So uh oh, someone else says Lord Lord Moncton is good. Yeah, I've heard about him. I haven't read Oh, him. I tried to post the link to his I guess I can't post links in your YouTube chat, but I post oh, wait, where where's your where's I'll just make you a mod. Where's your what's I'm your I'm some I'm your... some beep I know because I've been banned on YouTube like twice. Oh, okay, hold on. <laughs> How come I don't see you? Uh some B. Hi. I am. All right. Well, if I see there you are. Some beep I know. Okay. Oh, this I don't I keep meaning to look this up because when I was in elementary school, the biggest climate thing they talked about was the ozone and how we were yes. all gonna have like instant cancer and it was just getting bigger and bigger. And I have a poster from a nat- national geographic that it shows the progression. But like whatever happened to that? I haven't heard the anybody talk about the ozone in like decades. I think we can assume that their predictions did not come true. <laughs> Therefore, we just we just don't. It goes down the memory hole. Back to the 1984 reference. Hey, hey, Winston, remember we were writing about the ozone hole? Just rip that up and throw it down the memory hole. Rewrite that. <laughs> it uh, was that we, that we white that. rain, that white rain aerosol hairspray that all the southern ladies used in the 90s. <laughs> they stopped using yes. it. But the, but the, the, the planet. There, there is a, a from what I understand, and I. I have a very tenuous understanding of this in general, but from what I understand, there is a hole in the ozone, but it's something that like goes through cycles and it kind of does it naturally. Mm-hmm. Yes. Has, has Someone very says little they banned CFCs. Us. And that oh, was the, I'm sure that's uh-huh. the explanation. I think that I, was aerosols. Like there was a big yeah. aerosol, like sweeping. Yeah, the, the white net hairspray you're talking Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, it was, I thought it was white rain, but uh, Aquanet. That was it. Aquanet. Aquanet. Yeah, uh, yeah sorry. Was... I'm not a hairspray aficionado. How dare Aquanet. you? Aquanet. I know. I use moose sometimes. <laughs> All right. Well, but, yeah. 
Crushing it. L. (laughs) Yeah. What story should we be paying attention to that doesn't involve hairspray? Well, so mine's kind of just a, like, again, more of like a sweeping statement than any particular story. But there was a uh, a write-up on a, uh, on the... homeschooling it's the hsldas website which is like a homeschooling advocacy group that is focusing on uh people who homeschool their kids i'm a mother of a cat but for some reason i cannot uh, stop focusing on things that are affecting kids because i you know i care and just just because i don't have a kid doesn't mean I, I don't care uh they're in uh specific districts uh in perry county kentucky in particular which is what this write-up is about which uh actually i've got it uh i've got a do i have it pulled up Yeah, I've got it pulled up here if you'd like, but it's they're making house visits. You don't have to share it if you don't want to, but they're making house visits uh, to people's homes in this Perry Perry County, Kentucky, to people who homeschool uh, to try to convince them uh, to come back to public schooling. And it's just something to keep an eye on. There's actually uh, at Harvard uh, every single week, there is a homeschooling uh, webinar that goes on where this absolutely just witch-like woman. I, I've sat in on these for like every Thursday for like going on a year and I record a lot of them and I haven't put anything together on it yet, but I'm just kind of sitting there lurking because they sit there and they talk about homeschoolers and how, uh, you know, parents don't have the right to homeschool their kids. Parents don't have the right to remove kids from government education, etc. But in uh, Perry County, Kentucky, uh, in particular, uh, families are being uh, sought out personally uh, receiving home visits by school officials uh, being like tailed by them uh, to, to return to schools. And as we saw, like there was a mass exodus over the last two years to people who uh, were able to make, you know, pivot into, uh, you know, working from a home or, you know, move down to a single income family and just kind of cut some extraneous expenses. People who went to homeschooling and there was a mass exodus and they're really, Uh, that's one of the most powerful things that people can do to kind of remove kids from that, you know, the matrix, so to speak. And uh, in in this little town in Kentucky, uh, people are being, uh, again, tailed by school officials to try to bring them back uh, to school. And uh, uh, this is the HSLDA and there's the Christian Home Educators of Kentucky. I follow a lot of these people just, but that's that's going on. And uh, another thing kind of uh, on top of this and something I'm planning on talking about on my stream on, on Tuesday um, is that uh, so many different things happened to kids over the last two years in particular. And we've talked about quite a few of them, but I've been looking into the actual uh, measures that uh, a lot of... Uh, like I'm seeing like something and like this. Oh, that's Juliet's. Never mind. I was like, I was like, what is this in my side <laughs> me? Sorry. I'm like having like a spaz moment right now. There's a lot happening today. Uh, but like there, when, when kids went to uh, learning from home, I mentioned earlier that New York times article that's just now being like, well, you know, maybe learning from home wasn't as good for kids. They showed like a 50% reduction in math aptitude, even kids that would did a hybrid or went back to class, like 20% reduction in math aptitude. But, uh, Kids who did uh, learn from home, who's, you know, Randy Weingarten champion for this, uh, they were subject to some really, really awful surveillance techniques, uh, like eye tracking software, where if you looked away from your computer, or even if you like, like, just horrific things. Uh, And then also uh, proctors, like, 
proctors who watched kids take exams would make kids like take their laptop that are like these Chromebooks that were issued by Google to schools for this fucking reason. Uh, they, they have to take their Chromebook, stand up and, and like pivot and show their entire bedroom to some proctor who they don't know. They don't know how safe they are with this person. They had to show their whole bedroom, everything in their bedroom and have their entire, like their one safe space. Like I, I keep saying safe space, but like for kids, especially their bedroom, yeah, no, their absolutely. safe space. It's a private spot for them. It's, yeah. it's where they exist. It's where they can be themselves. It's where they can, you know, do whatever. And having to r- routinely expose that to someone that they don't know for, you know, test safety or, or like, you know, the to make sure they didn't cheat on a test, I mean, is, is horrific. And we see time after time, year after year, uh, catastrophe after catastrophe or, you know, psyop after psyop rather, uh, anytime some sort of thing happens, there's a, you know, knee jerk reaction, a big response. And then these sort of measures are are taken and you're told they're temporary and that they're necessary, but they never really go away. And this sort of massive invasion of children's privacy is, and and now of families' privacy at home being visited by school officials, trying to drag them back to the public school system that's failed them repeatedly over and over again. Uh, Like it's, it's really quite scary and uh, that's that's what i'm focusing on right now granted it might not be the most pertinent thing but it's something that i think that people need to be focusing on it's something i've been digging into because i didn't really know but there's this whole little pocket of of kids on tiktok and i refer to anyone under 18 as a kid basically because they are kids really when you think about it like there's a whole pocket of kids on tiktok which i've taken to monitoring a little bit more than i used to uh that that i've just been talking you know in their own little you know young adult circles, teenager circles, where they talk about the things that they've been through. And it's really, it's so heartbreaking, the things that they've been subjected to that parents either didn't know about, didn't pay attention to, or just, you know, you know, chalked it up to, well, we all got to do our part and being all, all in this together. And it takes one generation. You see now, uh, when people were trying to legitimize the vaccine mandates, all they said was, well, I was required to do this in school. Mm-hmm. Well, when this sort of software, when these sort of invasions of privacy are tried, or, you know, if they try to push to normalize something like this again, kids who had to go through this in school will be like, well, we did it in school. Like, it really yep. takes one generation. Mm-hmm. And this is like a really big one, in my opinion. So that's what I'm focusing on. And the metaverse. <laughs> well, I mean, without getting to the metaverse yet. Uh, that's a big one. I Yeah, but I think you're... I think you're spot on. So I'm on the HSLDA's uh, email list. So I, I get to, because I, because this is super important. So I, I I pay attention to this stuff a little bit as well. And um, I mean, what happened was they you can really see. I, I think I think this these attitudes about who I'll say owns the kids because that's how they look at it. This attitude of of Two who's seconds. in charge. Of, I'm sure, still here, this attitude of who's in charge of the kids hasn't changed. It's just been exposed, and and the pandemic kind of exposed it. You could see when they switched to cameras uh, and and laptops for remote learning. You could see a lot of schools say, a lot of schools told parents you couldn't watch. You weren't allowed to watch what your kid was being taught. Now parents mostly just said, "Screw you! I'm going to watch anyway." <laughs> Right. But like that was the that was the attitude of the school. And, you know, something that's striking me that you were saying earlier, Elle, is I, was it Harvard? Harvard, um, yes. That, yeah. This attitude that like parents don't have a right to take their kids out of the school system. That's how they feel. Again, not to circle back to communism, but that is that is, is a Marxist belief. Right. That is a 
the the kids need to be indoctrinated. The kids need to be raised by the state because the state knows better. And that's a real like that's a real attitude. They really believe that, and they and they believe that parents who aren't on board with that are, uh, we'll say endangered species that they plan to eliminate over the next few generations like mm-hmm. that i the idea that your child is yours is is on the chopping block it's what they and and they'll say no it's not because you're still allowed to have the kid at home and feed them but they what they mean is like the mind of the child is theirs it's not yours because you're a wrong thinker and you don't know how to do this properly and we know your kid needs to learn you we need the ge- gender bred man in kindergarten and we need to teach activism a lot is if you look around just do a survey of schools and you'll see a lot of schools uh private schools tend to advertise this more because they have to advertise but look at what they're trying to teach kids and one of them is like activism like a lot of this they want to raise a uh a generation of of activists and um you know you can't do that if you can't control the ideology they'll they'll be the wrong activists I have something pulled up if you don't mind uh, popping that back yeah, up on the screen. If you, if you want a rabbit hole to go down, anyone who has kids in particular, yeah. I have, this is for the state of California. If you want a rabbit hole to go down uh, with the uh, with the education system that is horrific on a whole different level, this is for California, but look up anything involving cradle to career. This is a California.gov mm. website, c2c.ca.gov. It's the mm-hmm. cradle to career system, a statewide data system that will provide tools to help students reach their goals and deliver information on education and workforce outcomes. But the whole point of this, which, you know, obviously the goal for for many, anyone who's not born with a silver spoon in their mouth, the goal for many is to, you know, uh, learn enough uh, at, at school, gain enough skills uh, at, at college or in a trade school or, or just earn at the the, the natural way uh, to become gainfully employed to make a to make a living but their goal here with this cradle to career system aligns with the sustainable development goals there's an involvement with the UN with the SDGs with agenda 2030 and it's to again to tailor down the uh, the thought process that kids are allowed to undertake they don't really teach critical thinking anymore they teach about they don't teach problem solving anymore is about being able to uh, fulfill a role and do uh, you know some sort of uh, preset or pre uh, like some sort of fulfill some sort of requirement to receive their, you know, their social credits basically. And this, this yes. cradle to career rabbit hole is huge on that. And it's what that's where we Tuesday night show on my stream is going to be real fun. We're going to talk about a lot of this, <laughs> but the cradle yeah, to this, career is, is a exciting. big jumping off point. This is a uh, Biden is this is one of their big moves. It's got a lot of Bill Gates money in it, Soros money, et cetera. Uh, like Biden is one of the big, you know, through Dr. Jill Biden, who, you know, uh, she's one of the like people spearheading it as well. This is literally, this is what they want to put in place. And the whole idea of this again is to pay for, uh, or, well, pay for, I use that word kind of lightly, uh, but, you know, pre-K, they want your kid literally in school and government, mandated schooling uh, as early as possible. So pre-K now uh, that's, you know, government approved and then the first two years of college. And uh, that's, you know, that's just the start. And for anyone who struggled with money or who is in a massive amount of student debt, that sort of sounds great. But again, when you have government tailored uh, education systems that just prolong the indoctrination, prolong the state mandated, you know, talking points and learning points and don't actually teach any sort of actionable uh, life skills like, you know, financial literacy or, uh, you know, how to be a, you know, self-sufficient human being. Why not to take a student being, loan for your 
for your English degree? For your English degree. Yeah, no, that was the best financial decision I've ever made. 10 out of 10 <laughs> would go into massive debt for a uh, $30,000 paperweight again. But this is this is all part of that. And again, here's here's uh, Gavin Newsom. Said, he says, it's on us to make it easy for students to navigate education and job choices. The cradle to career system provides the data and support infrastructure that will make it possible for every student in the state to thrive. But do you want your kid really thriving in California's state-run system? Like, do you, is that what is that what people in California want? Well, <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Some of them, I don't know. The people that I was talking about that uh, are telling you the gas prices don't matter and that are driving around their Teslas and that are pushing a lot of the stuff, their kids don't do this. I just want to be clear. Mm-hmm. Their kids don't do this. That their kids go to private schools, uh, and no, they get networked into Stanford, um, right. and they probably have a nanny. Um, even even, their, their case. even AOC, who like is like the champion of all things education or whatever, like she got caught bragging about getting like her little cousin into some sort of uh, like uh, charter school in uh, in New York City, and then had to like you know apologize for. It. Well, she didn't actually apologize for it, but n- none of them. She said, "Stop wanting to sleep with me." That was her. <laughs> oh yes, oh yes, Alexandria. We're all just dying to see you naked. But anyways, Cradle Secure, um, it's a huge rabbit hole. We're going to talk about it tomorrow night on the stream, though. So. Well, let's just point out two things. If you're reading dystopian novels, first of all, this reeks of uh, not 1984, but Brave New World. Um, but notice mm-hmm. that they they did not say – this doesn't say kindergarten to, to – it doesn't say kindergarten to cradle. 12. It's cradle. Cradle. That's like – Babies. As soon as you're born, we got it. Cradle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and cradle to career, that's all the way through working. That's like, well, like, okay, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And I think what they do, I think they play on the naivete of people who are older and went to school at a time when school was much more about reading, writing, arithmetic, the normal kind of stuff. And they think, well, they're just trying to give kids a good education. But that's not what the definition of education is anymore. Look at how Americans have performed in math over the past several decades compared to other countries. It, we haven't gotten better. We're not good. We're not like – we're not doing a better job. What we're doing is training people on – I mean just – I'm just reading this. Like – yeah, I just – community members to inform advocacy and policy analysis. It's just – this is about this is about getting kids to be good citizens. And when they say good uh-huh. citizens, they mean good comrades. Global citizens. That's, yes. Yeah, that's what they mean. Title. That's what they together. mean. Yeah. All right. Well. It's scary, honestly. Oh, yeah, Jill Jill Biden gave a keynote speech at the 2018 Cradle to Career Network like uh, convention. Like this, this whole thing, even before you know they occupied uh, the White House, uh, like this has been something that was it, it was it began largely with the implementation of Common Core. Uh, that was again financed and funded almost exclusively by Bill Gates. You can go to somebitchtoldme.com, type in, uh, you can type in a, a common core and you'll see exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I did a very big de- uh, dig into this, but Cradle to Career, it started uh, with Common Core that was funded by Bill Gates. Then uh, Obama in 2012 
uh, put together a big initiative on this. And this is something that, again, Biden, they're waiting. This is going to be their answer, in my opinion. And, you know, I, I speculate quite a bit uh, in my own mind, but I don't try to, you know, speculate too much, you know, outwardly, because, uh, again, everything is changing all the time. But in my opinion, this some sort of version of this cradle to career thing where they're going to cover not only pre-K, but also the first two years of college, at least that's what they're aiming for, will be provided as the solution uh, for the student loan uh, crisis, because they don't want to actually forgive the loans because that creates wage slaves that are beholden to the government forever. Like, they, these are federally subsidized student loans that are owed back to the government. They need that money. Like there's no, there's no fixing that, that they want to do, but they're going to offer this as some sort of solution. And then they're going to say, which is the the common uh, narrative is that if you, you know, if you, if you don't believe in student loan forgiveness or free college for people, then, you know, you don't believe in fairness and equality and all of that, but that's going to be right. offered in my opinion, right before the uh, midterms, that's going to be offered as their big solution is the cradle to career kind of thing. So that's what I'm keeping my eyes on. Interesting, because people have speculated on what the solution will be, because there's been a lot of clamor from the leftists who wanted student loan forgiveness. That's um, never going to happen. But yeah, well, I hope not. Because um, yeah, they, I, I don't know that they care about the money so much. They should, but they don't seem to care about money generally. I think it would get, create a lot of backlash from people who have been paying their student loans and paid off their student loans. I think they would lose. There's a lot of resentment, I can imagine. If I were an English major with $30,000 of, of of student loan debt and I'd you know, been spending, working my ass off the last several years to pay it off and then suddenly it got forgiven, I would be pissed. Um, well, I, I simply did not pay my loans back for like four years, like three or four years uh -huh. uh, when I first left school uh, and racked up like an additional, like I think like $8,000 in like fees and extra stuff. And, I, you know, I called them. I was like, hey, <laughs> so uh, I've never made a payment. And and they ended up actually work. I mean, granted, I shouldn't be I don't want to be grateful to this system that you like you know because yeah. realistically at that point i could have just declared like bankruptcy defaulted on the loan and just been done with it and it, i would have been able to claw back a lot quicker than i have now but uh they ended up waiving all the fees and like put me on like a you know they they base your uh your payment based on your income but the the lower the payment is the longer you're going to be on the hook for it and the, you pay for it time and time again in that interest like if i make my minimum required payment every month it it like it covers like the interest and then like $15, you know what I mean? Right. It's, You're working for your whole life. It's a travesty. Yeah. And it yeah. all goes, it's, it's an investment, so to speak from the government to, uh, you know, ensure that income for themselves, those federally subsidized loans for like, you know, uh, the duration or most of the duration of a lot of people's lives. That's why they're not going to forgive right. it. Yeah. And that's, an, I mean, you are turning people into wage slaves for the government. I mean, income taxes are bad enough, but at least if you don't work, you don't pay income taxes. But if you have a debt to the government, you mm -hmm. can't even not work. You can't just be like, I'm not mm -hmm. just not, you know, I'm going to, I don't know how they'll, you do it. They'll seek out their, I'm just gonna they'll, they'll garnish your wages. They'll like remove, like people who need it the most. I mean, granted, I'm not saying like, on the one hand, I don't really want to advocate for like, you know, people flouting the system or whatever, but like there are social safety nets in place for people who genuinely need them to get back on their feet temporarily. And mm -hmm. like, if you need to draw on like unemployment, for example, because you've, you've paid into that for your whole damn life. And like, if you need to draw on un unemployment, like they'll garnish that uh, for, right. for the money that you owe the government before they allow you to draw the, the very, I had to go on unemployment for about two months one time. And it was so meager, uh, mm -hmm. Like it's not, it's not enough for anything, even despite having paid 
like thousands upon thousands into it for the duration of my life. Uh, but th they'll garnish that before, you know, they let you get even just a bit like social safety nets that actually work and that people use them the way they're supposed to work are supposed to be there for that reason. But they'll like, they'll skim off the top of that and then tax those too. It's just, it's an absolute travesty. I'm very you know, angry ways, today. Sorry. I'm no, like, I understand. I think, there. I think what, I, no, I, I understand your anger. I think, I think one of the ways to think about this, um, actually you could think about the student loan thing this way. You could also think about the, the cradle to career thing this way. The left is about centralization of power. Um, and I think one of the things that we're seeing, I mean, I, I often argue that like the real scale is like authoritarian versus, you know, like libertarian or whatever, right? Like the, that's the real scale of politics we should be paying attention to. But another way to think about that scale is like centralization versus decentralization. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> you're being attacked. No, she's just hanging out. Sorry. Anyways, carry on. No, um, but... When you so, if you think about why they would be upset at parents, for example, um, homeschooling is mm -hmm. homeschooling is the ultimate decentralization, right? Um, and decentralization is antithetical to the left's agenda because what they want is they want to be in control. Leftists generally, are, at least modern leftists, are control freaks at at mm -hmm. the heart. They're like. Karens on steroids. They're like they're the busybodies that have like have gone hyperbolic, right? They're they're busybodies on steroids. So they they want to control everything. They want to control how you think about the world. And to do that, they can't have this is one of the issues, actually. I think I mean just to mention the Roe v. Wade thing. This is one of the issues with the Roe v. Wade upset. If it gets overturned, it's not that it becomes illegal in the U.S. It's be, it's that states get to do what they want. And no, they no, like I it. was told they, they're going to outlaw birth control and interracial <laughs> marriage, and that you won't be able to talk to your gay neighbor anymore. I was told that all of that was going to happen. I don't know what you're talking about. That's misinformation. You should be banned. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. They can dangerous. ban me for that. You're a but, dangerous I mean, man. That's what it is. They don't. They want centralization. They want that control, that authority, because. If your goal is to control people, which the left is is about authoritarianism, then you want all the power centrally located in one spot, and that's how you control everyone. As soon as power gets distributed, it's an uphill battle. You can't control. You're you're like you get one state and you lose another one, and like you can't you can't actually. And if and if that power is distributed all the way down to families, like if education, if everyone were homeschooled. There's no way to control them. There's no you can't possibly control everyone if everyone is homeschooled. You can't get the the social change that you want. You want to be able to manipulate the population and you can't do it if everyone is homeschooled. But that's why they hate homeschooling. That's why I don't think that's why I think they like things like common core, right? Because it was a centralized system. And mm -hmm. now they're going to they're going to up like if you're right, they're going to upgrade common core to cradle to career kind of thing right well, the, and it's the equi all the equitable programs the equitable programs equitable math the one it's like the virginia pathways to mathematics uh which is funded again by bill gates uh spoiler alert it's almost always bill gates or at least he's he's like the financial and political backing for uh this but he was the one who like uh, who pays for it all but uh these sort of things uh are are incremental steps because again anytime you sort of seed any sort of ground or whether or not you know that it's happening i mean i, I don't 
I was just a child, uh, really, and, and pretty unaware of everything going on. But like when Common Core was implemented, uh, it was one of those things that um, people like, it's like no child left behind and all of that stuff. It sounded nice. good, right? It sounded super snappy. And then they, you know, it's always named nice and it always sounds nice. Yeah. But actually, um, here, if you can pull up the screen, just one second. Uh, again, if you go to my website, which is somebitchtoldme.com, I wrote about the globalist takeover of the American educational system. Part one is very, very long, but actually like made this like very large uh, map of like all the different ways that these are connected to like UN uh, initiatives and like the like green economy and all of that, sustainable development goals. It's a big fat mess. Uh, and I realized that this makes me, it doesn't, it's not a good argument for the fact that like I'm like well adjusted or not insane, but like this is a real, if you want a good place to start on like the like pathway to equitable math instruction, again, Bill and Melinda Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is the only financial backer listed of this. It just continuously is listed. This was listed directly from the Virginia Department of Education's like Facebook page. They listed directly to equitable math like this. Uh, like these are the huge things to pay attention to. And it's, uh, it, it continues. It's just like this onslaught constantly of different things that are going on that like again once it happens it's very hard to undo them and then we see people like randy weingarten and the american federation of teachers that will dig in their heels and claim that they're being you know persecuted by the mean people who give a shit about what their kids are learning in school um yep and it's an attack on our democracy to do that so i'll drop the link to this in the chat on uh, youtube yeah on. please do yeah so interesting um I wanted to be a teacher when I was little. Like, I totally thought that's what I was going to do. I even did an internship my senior year where I got to leave school early to go be like a pretend teacher at the local elementary school. Within a few years of that, all of the teachers at that elementary school that had been there for, you know, decades, all of them retired most of them early because of common core because it they weren't allowed to be creative in their teaching methods anymore like you couldn't try to teach about egypt by doing crafts and you know that kind of stuff it's like it's so regimented and all that matters is like the test score at the end of the month and that kind of thing that they drove away all the good teachers and that's why now we have our entire education system is just packed with activists. They aren't there to teach your kids history. They're there to teach them activism, basically ideology. Well, they linked yeah, federal funding everything. to schools to the performance on standardized testing. Mm -hmm. So when kids wouldn't pass the standardized testing, teachers would come up with some sort of extra credit. I mean, like extra credit started rolling out or different ways that you could make it up because they needed those test scores to be above a certain level so they could receive their federal funding. So there was a lot of pressure from administrators and from uh, like school, uh, like like entire like school systems to make sure that those test scores those standardized testing scores were up to a certain level so right. then you had kids that were continuously being passed on to the next grade who didn't have any sort of competency in the main things that they're supposed to learn but they keep getting passed on over and over again until you have kids graduating from high school that can read at like a fourth grade level and they just mm -hmm. don't care because they get their right. funding and they're someone else's problem then yeah, I almost uh, went to school for teaching. I ended up changing my major to English, which again, not my best decision ever. But I don't know if teaching would have been better. Yeah, not. I would have already rage quit. So uh -huh. here we are. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, it's it's not that they don't teach the history, right? It's that they teach history and math and science with um, as a as a means to an end. Like we're teaching you this history because we want you to be a better activist. We're teaching you this science mm-hmm. because we want you to be a better activist. I mean, I mm-hmm. um, I was I. <laughs> there's a school near us. I don't. I don't actually want to expose how I know this. There's a school near us <laughs> that uh, the kids in their science class, I think this was like sixth grade or seventh grade, like one of those like middle school grades. Part of their science class assignment was writing to senators about climate change action. Now, think about this. If you actually cared about climate, this is why you know they don't actually care about these issues. If you actually cared about raising a generation of kids that could, and you and you thought climate change was a big deal, and you thought that you know you wanted to raise a generation of kids who could actually address this problem, you would focus on teaching them science, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and know that later in life, with a solid foundation in science, they would reach the same conclusions that you've reached with respect to the environment, and they would write the letters to the senators that you want them to write when they were in their 20s or 30s because they would have the 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 good scientific foundation to understand but that's not what they care about they want these kids who don't understand the first thing about any of this to write activism letters to their senator about climate change that's not science that's activism and that is by the way that is common that kind of crap that passes for science um, it's less it's still in math a little bit but i see it a lot in science where it's like let's let's watch the lorax let's write letters to senators Mm -hmm. let's listen to a greta thunberg like literally this is what they're doing in science in a lot of these places and that's obviously that has nothing to do with science right because they're afraid of teaching science yeah. Really. Oh, right. The same reason they don't want us to like they're not teaching math the way they used to. I mean, isn't it? What what state is it they're getting rid of the math requirements for graduation? Virginia. It's crazy. Oh. Well, it's like uh one of the Washington or Oregon was proposing that they just like kind of do away with basic math requirements for graduation. Well, math is racist. Apparently. Yes. Yeah. So if you can do math, you can get to the bottom of a lot of stuff. I mean, basic statistics will show a lot. But, you know, if nobody can really do math other than typing something into their phone's calculator, they can fool the entire population on everything all the time. Yeah. They don't There's want a- you actually knowing math or science. Mm-hmm. Well, in order to know math and science, you have to know the scientific method, which is, again, forming hypotheses, testing it, and then reevaluating your position if you learn new information. And that is dangerous to our democracy because you can't reevaluate your position. You have to dig your heels in once it's given to you. And that's that. Yep. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. No, I. it's you're right. Because um, so, science is reality based. Math is reality based in, in that, like, there's a right answer. Um, and you can, with science in particular, you can argue, um, and question, which is the nature of science. And, uh, Mm -hmm. that's not, not true with leftism. One cannot argue in question. So I would have a lot more respect for literally anyone who has been, uh, part of like the more draconian efforts over the last few years. I would have a lot more respect for anyone who just said, Hey, Hey, I got it wrong. I've reevaluated my position and this is why I've changed my mind. But no one's been capable of just saying, 
uh, or very few people have been able to say, I got it wrong and I'm sorry for the decisions I made out of fear. Like mm-hmm. I would have, right. I would, I would still be really furious about everything that they've done, but I would at least consider the idea that maybe they actually do care about their actions and the impact that they have on people, but they don't. Right. Yeah. I, I, get things, I get things wrong all the time and I'm just like, Hey everybody, sorry, I got this wrong or I learned something new. And like, it's literally never been a big deal. Granted, I know that like me and my little social media corner and I'm like, our, it's low stakes in comparison, but still like no one has ever been like, Oh, how dare you learn something new and change your mind? No one's ever been like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because well, yeah. <laughs> because your audience, I, I don't think they're, they're not, they're not following an ideology. They just want to know no. the truth and you're going to get stuff wrong once in a while and that's fine. Well, it's, a partic- um, it's participatory too. That's why like, okay. I kind of, I open like pretty much every stream up with the, like the exact, like I try to like keep it concise and, and consistent, but I always end up ad-libbing. But essentially I'm just like, you know, if you know something that I don't, or you know something that like needs to be added to this discussion, let me know because like, Despite people's uh, both flattering and and uh, unlivable like ex- expectations that I can't live up to, you know that like I know everything all the time. I simply don't. Uh, but that's you know, there's people just want to be able to contribute to things. I, I I owe a lot of my knowledge to people like Sophocles. I see you in the chat right now. Uh, like to people who who you know add their add their knowledge to it. And that's yeah. we have to, we have to be able to put our own ego aside. None of this is about any one of us. It's about Right, moving towards about finding the truth. Right, Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, Let me just read a couple super chats. I'm going to get in trouble if I don't read them. (laughs) Silverlock says another good panel. Thank you, Silverlock. And Cheeky Mayor says I paid off sixty thousand dollars in thirty-two months working three jobs. Pay for your own school. See that that's the that's the attitude that I I think they're worried about if they do student loan forgiveness. Everyone like Cheeky Mayor is going to be like, screw you. I'm never voting for you guys again. Yeah, I think you're so right in that. I really do. I mean, I was lucky enough that between my grandparents' help, like my grandparents were <laughs> pre-World War II generation, and they literally just put away tons of money for their grandkids. So I had that help, and then I worked, too, to like put myself through college. So I got out of there with no loans, but... Yeah, if they just did like a sweeping forgiveness, I'd be pissed. I'd be like, man, like I worked really hard to not need a loan to get, right. you know, to go to college. Like it's it, there is something patently unfair there, but they don't really care about fairness. There is something though that I would like to interject in, and this is where uh, it becomes a less common opinion, but that's okay. I'm I'm used to being the underdog here. I do think that being particularly like just being blanket like a like blanket callous kind of statements. And I'm not saying that that super chat was callous at all. But a lot of people are like, you know, you know, you went into debt, you earned it, you're stuck with it. I understand nobody wants to be responsible for anyone else's student loan debts. I certainly don't expect anyone else to pay off my own student loans. I, you know, I, I was an idiot and 
went into that debt. That's, that's my own big deal. But this was a prime opportunity for conservatives who are in a political position or who are in a position of power and a position of influence to say that there's a lot more going on than just people taking out student loans. And there's a systemic issue that arises from people going to college and getting bullshit degrees that have absolutely no valuation in the do- job market. This could be a way to hold universities accountable for churning out useless degrees for way overcharging. They could, you know, threaten to, re- to remove their endowments or their funding from federal from federal dollars this could be a championing like a, like a, a championship moment for the Republican party but they refuse to address it and they're more like it, like the whole pull yourself up by your own bootstraps kind of mentality i understand yep. no one wants to pay for people's student loans but this is a huge problem for a lot of people i am mm-hmm. very fortunate that i'm able to make at least like the minimum payment every month but there are plenty of people that don't and as we keep seeing they keep t- talking about the pinch at the gas pump and the pinch with food costs and things like that that pinch is the difference between people being able to make their student loan payments or not, where they're mm-hmm. going to keep accruing interest for life. They're going to keep struggling with things. Maybe they're going job to job, et cetera. There has to be some level of compassion for that. And there needs to be a clear way out of this mess that has been created by the measures that were put in place by the Obama administration, the Biden champion, where people couldn't default on their student loans, couldn't go uh, on anything that was federally subsidized, couldn't default on it or go bankrupt on it, couldn't get rid of it ever, get rid of that debt. Uh, you know, granted, it would destroy your credit, but you know, what else doesn't the, these days? But there has to be some level of compassion and this could be a, a huge moment for them to take the reins and say, you know what, this is a huge problem. This is how we're going to deal with it. And this is how we're going to hold the universities accountable for the things that they've done and the debt that they've sent people into and, and, and offer a solution because just saying, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, idiot, is not going to win over people. And there are way more people that this affects. Like there's, a, it, it is a huge problem, but it's a problem that has solutions that don't involve just waiving debt, which is never going to mm-hmm. happen anyways. It's never going to happen anyways because the government wants that money, but they want people to be on that on the hook for that money for the duration of their lifetimes. So that's literally the goal. They're never going to waive it. So it's like, it's, granted, I could be eating my words here in a few weeks if we get up to midterms. I get that, but I never see a path forward where they're going to waive student loan debt ever. So just let go of that idea and let go of that like happening and then think about ways that you could actually like work on actionable solutions and holding these universities account accountable. That's the like that could be like a crucial key pivotal issue for Republicans and they refuse to even touch it. And I I mean, I know why, but it's frustrating. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up, although I would probably go even a step further, which is I like that. I like that you want the Republicans to use the word systemic because it is a systemic problem. Um, and that's a leftist word. Usually, usually they're the ones who argue about systemic problems. It's a systemic problem, but I think it, I, I mean, I think we should, maybe this is a great opportunity to question what's the value of college in the first place. What's the purchase? What's the purpose of college? Why is the government subsidizing college, uh, at all? Um, how is the government subsidizing universities in ways that we're not talking about, not just through tuition, but, uh, grants to study ridiculous crap that doesn't need to be studied. Like government has, when my dad went to school, now granted I'm old, so my dad is older, uh, but when my dad went to school, he was poor, uh, relatively poor, farmers. Mm-hmm. He sold- I'll be right back, sorry. Sure. During the summer, they had a stand in their, uh, like the big front of their farm by the main road. And he, he sold, you know, basically fruit. He sold fruit at the stand. That's what he did. Um, and I think he had a part-time job at like union carbide or something, but he could, he could make enough money during the summer to pay his entire tuition room and board 
for the rest of the year while he was going to college. That was not uncommon. He wasn't special. That was normal. And uh, we we got addicted to college as this, this thing that everyone has to do because people in the past made more money going to college. Like, you know, smarter people tended to go to college and they, they tended to, to then go get higher paying jobs. And people reversed cause and effect. And everyone said, oh, it's because you went to college that you get wealthy. Like, that's not true. Um, mm-hmm. It could be. It could be a step along the way if you need to learn. You know, you want to be a doctor, you got to go to college, right? But we pushed this and pushed this. And then we and then we said, well, the government needs to help because not everyone can do it because it's kind of expensive. And the more the government helped, the less – the more detached universities came became from the free market – so the less the university had to justify why it costs so much to get a degree because yeah. they were subsidized themselves, plus you could go get loans, blah, blah, blah. The government got involved. In that. So now it's because of the government that you can borrow tens of thousands of dollars to get a degree in women's studies or now gender studies. It's because of the government. That shouldn't exist. And we were talking about uh, actuaries before and insurance companies. If your degree was worth the money – a private institution would gladly lend you right your tuition and be, and if they're not if private institutions are not willing to lend you your tuition you should you should double check you should think twice about whether or not that degree is actually worth it it probably isn't and and i think the reason the left is pushing colleges has nothing to do with jobs i think it's cuz it's their indoctrination factory and they know it's their indoctrination factory and when you go to trade school and you learn to be an electrician which you can make good money at and have a great career and an excellent life just being an electrician and going to trade school without getting your degree in gender studies you don't get indoctrinated right they don't well, get to teach and- you fucking derrida <laughs> and like in trade schools too, most of the time you're working while you're going to school because you're right. you've got like an apprenticeship or at least like a company will hire you while you're getting, you know, your journeymen's or whatever. So like a lot of the guys that I know that went to trade school, they were immediately better off than their peers that went to college and still are because they don't have debt. And you, yep. they started their careers at 20 instead of 25. And, you know, they get yearly raises and you can get continuing like education, uh, higher licenses and stuff in the trades. And I just don't understand. Well, I mean, I do understand why they don't do this, but like, why don't they offer this to kids that aren't great at school? You don't have to right. be great at school to be a plumber. Honestly, you really don't. But they push them so hard to get into college. You know, well, if you didn't get into a good one, at least go to community college. There's an entire college industrial complex that's focused mm-hmm. on lying to you about the value of a degree. And they cite, they cite studies that say things like, well, people with college degrees on average make more than people without college degrees. That may be true. But the question is, if you're a person who's on the edge, like that's comparing doctors to right. – you know, people who are going to work at Walmart their entire lives in the checkout. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's the comparison that they're doing. Okay, but if you're on the edge about, like, should I go to college? Is college right for me or not? That's the demographic that matters. Like, okay, for that person, is going to college, is borrowing tens of thousands of dollars, uh, tens of thousands of dollars to go get a degree in English worth it? Or would you be better off 
starting your career four years early and doing this other thing that you really like, which maybe is being a plumber or being an electrician or whatever. Um, and they don't make that comparison because that comparison, the results don't favor going to college. They don't favor taking out student loans and going to college. So they just show the overall comparison and say, see, people with college educations make more. You should go. It's like, yeah, fine. People who go to Harvard make more too, but that doesn't mean you have to go to Harvard. Right. It invalidates their whole system. Mm-hmm. Yes. That. Yeah. Which is why I called the college industrial complex. It is, there is a, there's an entire there's an entire industry dedicated to convincing you that you're a bad parent if you don't pay for your child or help your child take out loans and then subsidize whatever. Get your child to university to get a gender studies degree or whatever. And and there's mm-hmm. no, you know, there's I or the military. And I, I say that with yes. all the love and respect for people who are in the military, but it's the same thing. They prey on people who uh, have who are low income. Or, mm-hmm. or who couldn't yep. afford college. And again, there's a lot of benefits that can uh, be had by pursuing a career in the military by all means, but it, it plugs you into another one of those uh, like government industrial complexes that arguably, mm-hmm. you know, does a lot of things we don't agree with. And I'm not saying, again, I respect a lot of people that have been in the military. I'm not saying that you're a hero just for joining it, but I, I, I don't want to disparage military members, but at the same time, it's one of those things that needs to be really examined. You know, the... the uh, the cause and effect of allowing that to continue on the way that it has for so long. Yeah. I'm thinking about if you're poor and you can't like, this is the other thing. If you step back and look at what we're saying to, to people, Oh, you're poor. Well, if you're willing to get shot at for a few years, we'll pay for your college. It's like, well, that's an interesting thing. Who's getting shot at then. It's not the, it's not the sons of the senators who go to Harvard. It's, it's the sons of people who, can't afford yeah, you want to go together. die in ukraine for you know right a pissing contest between biden and putin right right your if you're willing duty. to possibly die over this crap then we'll pay for your college part of it right and then you still have to go to college at the end of that yeah yeah then yeah yeah, then yeah you, granted, you, can per, you can you can you can pursue like careers within the military I didn't join the military because I was like, can I join because I was dumb? You're not dumb. <laughs> Again, I have a lot. I, I have mo- a lot of my family is military. I have a lot of respect for people in the military. It's, <laughs> it's not that at all, but it's just another one of those things to kind of examine the level of like indoctrination that, and and, and the level of, I don't want to say desperation, but when you're when you're told over and over again you need to go to college or else you won't be anything, and when you you believe that wholeheartedly, you you pursue a education and a higher education at any cost, and that can be in the military where you can, yes. you know, maybe not necessarily die overseas, but become permanently like disabled or, or like I've heard of plenty of people that have gone deaf going into the military just because of like mm-hmm. the level of uh, like, uh-huh. like constant, like barrage on their like hearing, you know, it's, it's a, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that are associated with that that are pretty damaging, but yeah, no, it's not yeah. Nancy Pelosi's kids that are going over to, you know, right. Right. Right, Hunter Fight Biden. Ukraine. Hunter Biden <laughs> didn't go, to, didn't pick up arms and go to Iraq at the whatever however age he was. Right, it was it was other people's kids. Right. So did you see what his laptop password was? No, don't. You like, don't know? Oh my god! Ah, it's so funny. So the guy, the guy who owns the Mac shop, is like writing a book. Of course he is. Which you know, get yeah. that bag. I, I I think it's whatever. Do whatever you want. But uh, he there's like a little excerpt that was published in the New York Times, or I'm sorry, in New York Times, in the New York Post. And apparently Hunter Biden's laptop password was 
anal fuck 69. No. Yes. <laughs> Just a little fun. Can he be more one. cliche? No. Uh, no. I, I don't think it could have been more just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look, I, the military thing, I want to say one thing about the military thing, because this is hard for a lot of people to hear, because um, often, especially if you're not an, a leftist person who's running around spouting leftism, you're expected to just have a this reverence for military service. Mm -hmm. And... I think the thing you have to remember about a military is a military is always the extension of a government. That's always what it is. So um, people who are in the military, like if you're in Nazi Germany and you're in the military, you're on the wrong side. You're a bad guy. That's what you – now you might be conscripted and forced to go be the bad guy, but like you're not getting kudos for being on that side, right? Um, and when the United States government is behaving justly, and doing just things around the world or whatever, or if you're fighting a, uh, a war, we've never really fought a truly a war of self-defense with, with the exception of part of World War II and, and the fighting the Japanese, right? We've, like, when you're doing that, you're, you're protecting America and you're like, it is noble, right? But as the government becomes worse and worse and worse and worse, mm -hmm. There's a slow slide. Do you, eventually, if the government goes on to become the, you know, the empire in Star Wars, you become a stormtrooper. That's that's what you become. So the 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 idea that we should be like, oh, you're in the military, therefore, like you're about freedom and protecting the constitution and whatever, like that is not always true. Um, in fact, in many cases, it's, it's becoming less and less true. The worse our government gets and the more anti-American America's government gets, then the more anti-American the actions of the military become. And your involvement in them is not honorable, right? Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I don't have – I have a lot of sympathy for people who get caught up in the – and I, I know people – and I was almost caught up in the post-9-11 joining the military. Like I got very close to joining – military post 11 because i wanted to go defend you know my perception of it was oh my god we're under attack we have to go defend like i totally get that but you really have to double check are, are like are you doing good if you're being sent to the middle east to to fight in wars that have basically just created the problem are you really helping I mean, hindsight, hindsight with that war is, is 2020, though. I mean, when I was like 11, I was 11 years old when 9-11 happened. And like, I was like 11 years old, like hoping that we like nuked Afghanistan. Granted, uh -huh. that's, like a 11, that's like an 11 year old perspective for sure. But like, again, there were plenty of people that thought that they were doing the right thing. And only after, you know, yes. more and more information coming out, learn kind of how they were misled and, and how so many people died needlessly. Uh, for a war that should have never started, but you know you can't you can't blame people for for being misled by the fucking mm -hmm. government. I mean, it happens constantly. Right. That's why I'm saying I got sympathy for it, but you got to understand that like this is something that we need to start checking. So we need to start like I don't have any sons, but if I was raising a sons sons like 50 years ago, I might have raised a son to say like, oh, you know, being in the military is an honorable, respectful 
think like it's it's maybe not 50 because we were in Vietnam, but whatever. Like a long time ago, it was okay. This is this is a good thing, and it's an honorable. Now I would probably say, you know what? Be careful because here's a here's a list of what the U.S. has has done militarily. Here here's what they've been up to. Do you really want to be part of this? It's not necessarily an honorable thing whether you get duped into it or not. I mean, I just read uh, Scott Horton's Enough Already, um, which is about the war on terror. And another mm. great book uh, along these lines is Max Blumenthal's um, what's it called? Management of Savagery. Max is on the left, but Scott Horton is uh, a libertarian. Both of them go in depth into the the history of the U.S. Uh, involvement in in operations overseas and, and how they've created the problem. How the war on terror perpetuates terror and is a is an intentional misdirection and farce to further other interests and like you know i i wouldn't know that if i was 18 um you could I also know make that the argument would, though know. that like this is another part of like demoralization of a nation in order to you know foment the kind of malcontent uh and and lack of pride in one's nation that would lead people not feeling like it's worth defending i think that things like i mean mm, like a, a, a strong a strong military is important i mean there is mm -hmm. a there for all the like horrific things that our military has done there are plenty of others that are amazing and that are necessary i used to i you know i've got to hand it to him because i i honestly respect it but i used to before i became an internet outlaw uh, i actually worked for a government contractor that was a military contractor that worked in missile defense and i i just crunched the numbers for them i counted the beans but uh plenty of people have been like oh her association with that one military contractor because she's like i'm like bro like i was like <laughs> all the data but like the the stuff that i that uh my my program well programs that i i counted the beans for that, that they were working on was like missile defense and things like that. i mean like are truly incredible uh like things that that keep our homeland and keep our like the you know the actual nation of the united states like safe like it's incredible stuff there's a for there uh, there's no in in my opinion, there's no great answer for this very for a very clear problem that we do have. But our military does do amazing things, and it's 100% necessary. And again, demoralization of a nation is fomenting distrust in all of its all of its institutions and leading people to believe that they're you know beyond repair. And there are quite a few institutions that I kind of do believe are beyond repair. But I think a strong national military is not one of them. Mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not sure. I agree. I mean, I'm. By, by the way, my background was also military-industrial complex, so I, I was part of the problem. Like, like that's. Uh, I get that. Um, I'm not convinced that the military is salvageable. I mean, they they're going woke, um, and they. I think if if the if the central government goes woke, uh, and goes leftist, they will become the, the enforcers of a leftist government. These um, are often. The, these think, are often the loudest people, though. Always. I mean, I know it's small progress, but, uh, you know, the Navy just removed Ibram Kendi's book, uh, you know, from their recommended reading for the Navy. I mean, that's a, like they're they're the it pendulum. was on the recommended reading list for the Navy. Oh, yeah. Anti how to be anti-racist. Yeah. But they I mean, they just removed it. The pendulum swings. It has swung quite far to the left. I personally am I, I I still maintain a very high level of optimism for the future of this nation and for just like the humanity in general. And I think that the pendulum is swinging the other way. And part of that is subverting the uh, you know indoctrination of children uh, into the you know government government run institutions from cradle to career, cradle to career.gov. Just look it up, c2c.gov. Uh, yep. But like if you if you 
if you continue to undermine these things and, and uh, you know, disallow them from from bringing more people into that machine and create independent thinkers and 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 just keep having babies, you know, and, and I say that not having my own children. I'd love to have my own children someday. Uh, but uh, you heard it, guys. <laughs> oh god don't start this no 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 i don't go on the internet looking for dates i'll be quite honest i don't go on the internet looking for love um <laughs> but uh honestly i'm like personally anybody who might idealize me in your head no <laughs> just don't uh but at the same time like these sort of things that that are that are happening it will it will continuously make the the pendulum like it, it it's, a, it's a pendulum for a reason uh and things do seem quite bleak right now again the the loudest actors uh both in the literal and metaphorical sense uh, the loudest actors say the most and have a big say and are driving people to behave and and enact certain uh like rules and recommend certain reading in the navy for example but again these sort of things were taking place largely without people paying attention to them and calling attention to them and as more people are finding alternative platforms to continue on and continue bringing attention to it as more pressure is put on as more people are taking office hopefully that will actually uh you know subvert the status quo these sort of things are are crucial and are and are happening constantly uh in texas the other day i hope so uh, and in Texas the other day, I mean, school board elections happened across Texas and like it was overwhelmingly conservative, uh, you know, people taking over school boards in Texas. And again, I'm not saying that just because someone happens to lean more conservative right now that they're automatically the best, uh, you know, person for whatever job. And I think losing yourself in the dichotomy of the left and right is one of the biggest mistakes you can make. And I've completely fallen into that false dichotomy plenty of times. And I try to catch myself on it. But there there are things that are happening in on, on local like. In, in local uh, areas that are that are going to make big impacts uh, across the nation. And I think people are also realizing that maybe you shouldn't be aiming to run for, you know, the Senate or Congress. I'm not saying that people shouldn't. I think you have to be a special level of sociopath to run for federal government at this point. But people who are running for local offices, who are taking back their school boards, who are taking back their city councils and things, who knew how much power a city council had until 2020? I never did. Uh, yep. th- like those sort of things are going to have a, hum- a major impact on your actual community where mm-hmm. you're going to be able to see immediate improvements. And I think that's huge. So I'm overwhelmingly optimistic for the future. Still. I, I, I like that you're focused on local stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, you're probably more optimistic a- about the future than I am, but that's okay. Uh, you can be, you can be more optimistic. I, I, one thing I like is people recognizing the difference between America and the American government and like, and trying to to save the values of America uh, is not the same thing as having to take over the American government. And that might mean in your local community running for a school board and, and doing your thing and separating out the actions of the actions directed by people in Washington from what it means to be American. Well, again, they want the nationless, borderless, religionless, genderless blobs. Uh, but again, there's nothing wrong with having pride in one's nation or where you come from and fostering a sense of community. That's like the exact opposite of what they want. But it's like one of the most powerful things you can do. Yep. They don't want it. Yep. All right. Uh, any fine? I, I realized I kept you guys longer than I expected to. I just looked at the time, so I apologize. But uh, any final thoughts, Juliet or L? Either one. Fuck Discord. <laughs> I second well, that. Uh, <laughs> and to anybody, to anybody who got banned today on my, uh, you know, in in the wake of my Discord getting banned, sorry. 
Well, remind people where they can find you. Slumbitchlowme.com, gab.com forward slash slumbitch, I know. T.me forward slash slumbitch, I know. I don't know. Just, you know, anywhere. All that. Uh, just look up some bitch I know on just on yeah, yeah literally yeah. Uh, and then the Twitch shop TV forward slash L is for the way because they don't allow the word bitch. Mm. Well, Juliet, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Gab uh, Truth Seeker eight four eight seven. And funny enough, if you're not sick of me yet today, I will be on the Indica- Independence Gang tonight at oh, nine p.m. So oh, cool, awesome. Find me there. <laughs> Uh, I forgot to read a super chat, so I'm going to get in trouble. Um, let me just read it. I, for one, this is from Johnny Boy Quick Draw. I, for one, think postmodern indigenous marionette sculpting is a perfectly valid, valid college degree. I don't know what your problem is, Carter. Seriously. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, you may borrow your own money to go get that degree, Johnny Boy. Um, all right. <laughs> Thank you both for joining. I really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And I'm glad I had both of you together yeah, fun. Uh, it was very fun. fun it was a fun conversation and don't forget to check out um both of these women's work uh online and wherever Elle's gonna be after discord who knows go find her there yeah all right <laughs> thanks everyone bye 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 Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production may be upsetting to Brian Stelter. Please do not expose him to it. For completely legitimate reasons. Taylor Lawrence is requesting any information you may have about the following individuals. The Twitter subroutine appears to be malfunctioning. Pay no attention to it. Did you know that the word liberty is a dog whistle for insurrectionists? If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.